Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering The Whale with special guest Justin Campbell. Harshy blows! Get out the harpoons, lads! We got ourselves a fine humpback coming in today! I like your water bottle. Archie Blows! <laughs> what kind of is it? Did you just get that recently? Call me a smile. I shall fight oh, yeah. the whale. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. That's all right, folks. It's Welcome like back a- to <laughs> Trolls Team Presents The Fraser's Edge, <laughs> the only podcast in America that covers in an actor's entire filmography from beginning to end with our current subject, Brendan Fraser. We're getting near the end of Fraser's career. Yeah. And this is a big episode. Huge. This is essentially. God damn it! I'm already doing it. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. One could even say um, whaleish in size. Gargantuan. No. But um, <clears throat> this is essentially the movie that kind of spawns this podcast. Yes. In a sense. Yeah. Really. Um, when it came, you know, Travolta kind of spawned out of Gotti, a movie that I thought was very funny and wanted to talk about. And I'm like, what's the most convoluted way we could lead up to this? And I'm like, we'll talk about Travolta's entire career. And out of that spun the idea of just like, you know, looking at Travolta or just an actor's career from beginning to end and finding the arc of that career. Yeah. Um, but when it came time for Brendan, uh, or second, you know, subject, um, Brendan kind of presented himself as in a moment. Um, and it seemed like he had a comeback on the horizon, that being The Whale. Yeah. Um, this was a big movie that was hyped up for a while. Uh, it's an A24 release that was very successful. Um, and it's what won Brendan his Oscar. Yeah, what's interesting about it, Jeff, is you mentioned, you know, you you found, you watched Gotti. Yes. Loved it so much that you wanted to create a podcast as an excuse so you could eventually get to that movie to talk about it for five hours. Yes. This is a movie that you only went off of by hype alone. Yes. You had not seen this movie until after the podcast had been well into production. Yes. So I guess that's, I don't know, I don't know if there's a question there, but like just... Was it because it's a good movie too, which is it, interesting. Questionable. Um, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's a questionable point. No, it's a good movie. That's a questionable point. It's a it, great movie. It's a good movie. See, all right, I'll, I'll save it should, for. Should we get into I'm, it? I'm going to save it for a few minutes. Okay, I just you know I'm, I'm ready for pretext. We're yeah. worthy for context for this episode. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Because you know we we were just talking about like you know, um, Gotti. This it's kind of the impetus of the podcast. It's a very important episode. Yes. And we're very thrilled to have Justin back for it. I'm so excited um, to be Justin here. Justin basically, <laughs> you know, he put in the work on all these movies that do not exist. Your Secrets of Karma's. Um, you really did what through whatever the, gr- that the meat grinder. The, I mean, whatever the fuck the Afro Nat Wolf movie was. <laughs> oh, Hairbrain. Yeah, worst movie I've ever seen. Um, you really put your time in. What can I say? Um, and today we welcome you. You know, I, I wanted to be on this podcast when I heard you guys were doing the Brendan Fraser because, duh. Yeah. And everything I wanted to do was gone. <laughs> so it was like, well, I've never seen these. Why not? Yeah. And I think, what was the first one? Um, you did, um, was it the Air I Breathe? It was the yes, Air I Breathe. The Air I Breathe, because I, I found that in like a you know Walmart bin, like mm-hmm. a pullout. And ever since then, I was like, fuck it. We're going to roll in the fire, baby. <laughs> How many times does this make it for you? Oh, God. Four? Four? Four or five. Air I Breathe, Secret of Karma, Hairbrain, Hair now this. Is there count. one in the middle I'm that I'm missing? Up. I feel like there's one more. Yeah. You did you did um the air I breathe. Yep. Hairbrain. Yep. 
Line of Descent. Line of, Line of Descent. Secret of Karma. Secret of Karma. The Whale. The so Whale. Number five. Number five, five, baby. So I think you're one way from the Tilly Club. I'm, I'm, well, I is mean, Batgirl seven? Well, um, Batgirl, which is coming out next week, will have Mark Tilly. Um, Damn oh, it. sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean I for think that. I, I, I need to count what he's... Um, I'll have to count. Yeah. But, you know, you, you did all those movies, so even if I may have questionable thoughts on this movie... It is an important movie and kind of an interesting movie to talk about. It's mm-hmm. an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. So I'm glad to have you on for this episode that we can actually give you something <laughs> that you can sink your teeth into. It'd be like, okay. in, you can chew on the fat of this movie. Right. Oh, here it is. <laughs> yep, um, yep, yep. I don't mean to be that mean, but... I mean, hey... Is. The jokes are presented. They, they are right there. Yes. It would almost be a disservice not to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do agree. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about this movie. But first, Stuart. So, yeah. I said that this is like a big episode. It's our Gotti equivalent. And you remember for the Gotti episode, we brought every previous guest back to talk about Gotti. We did a five and a half hour episode. You told so, me to bring the Zoom kit, but not to, that we're not Zooming people in. We are not Zooming people in. Over the past two weeks, I have been accumulating <laughs> recordings no. from, from previous you... guests of the show no. No. about their thoughts on the whale. What? <laughs> what? And I have the lineup. It is seven people who, who have seen this movie who have guested on the show before. And throughout the episode, we will be chiming in to listen to their thoughts. Um, oh, my God. So that they can share their thoughts on the motion picture, The Whale. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's I am not ready for this because I bet you six out of seven of those are going to say it's a terrible movie. I actually have not listened to any of them. No shit. Even I, I, you, I have tested, you know, I clicked on all of them to make sure that they played, but I haven't listened to any of them. So I don't know. I mean, I know some of their thoughts just by talking with them. Yeah. Um, or being like a letterbox friends with them. Or something, but I don't know what any of them are going to say. Okay. So Mark, Cole, probably Becca. You, uh, I have, yeah. I cannot say. There's, there's, I cannot say. We will find out as we get through them. That's the mystery. That's, yeah. So um, that's what you meant. But when... we're going to kind of like spice it out a bit. We're not going to clump them all at once. <laughs> um, so oh, I am so you know, do you, should we play the first one now, or do you want to do the pretext first? I want to hear the first one okay. right let's, fucking let's now. Let's figure out who who's going first. All right, we'll start off um, with Rebecca Johnson, mm. uh, former guest of the show. Just hit the space I don't know budget. how to have really any opinion on this movie outside of that it's outstandingly miserable for no reason. Everybody is so mean to Charlie for no reason while he's just like constantly only protruding love and self-hatred and everybody just drives that self-hatred in him to the point of like he almost eats himself to death. Like I'm not entirely sure where the other characters get off on making Charlie more miserable than he already is. It's just a hard watch. I I I can get through movies that are are difficult that have difficult subject matter, but this one just feels overtly mean. And mean in a way that is like kind of unredeemable. It makes me feel yucky as an audience. So it's a it's really just a huge no from me. That's a fair critique. <laughs> Uh, so Jeff, from yes. now on, just hit the space bar. So when you're hovering over yeah. the audio file in the Finder window, not the Apple iTunes window, but in the Finder window, just make sure it's highlighted yeah. and hit the space bar. 
I just want to try that on Rebecca now, just to make sure it all goes through. No, I, I got it. Okay, I got this. Just, I don't. I saw. Yeah. I see the reflection of it in your yeah. TV, and yeah. I saw that you double clicked it and opened up the whole Apple iTunes yeah. thing, and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! Because then <laughs> you're gonna get all my piano thing at the well, end. <laughs> this, well, this is all of my like copyright yeah. free music I use and like mm-hmm. shit that I yeah. do. So it's well, gonna it's be... copyright free. Well, yeah, it's copyright free. <laughs> so no we don't. We don't have to, We're not gonna. But unless if you want, like, this movie sucks. It's awful. I hate it. That's what I said. It's a yucky movie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just hit the space bar of the fighter window. No, that was a a first guest chiming. That's a fair. That's a fair critique. Yes. That's a very fair critique. And my main goal with these is that they will provide talking points for us as we go through the movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of taking a universal perspective. Yeah. No, Um, that's fair. I I don't disagree with Becca. So we we checked in with Becca first, who was not a fan of the, the whale. I'm guessing six out of seven of these folks are not. I a lot of people I've talked to haven't been fans of it. I'm just gonna say I think it's a good movie. Am I gonna it like it's like any Aronofsky Aronofsky film? Like I even said I re-listened to our Oscars episode and in the episode we even mentioned Jeff that you and I have different opinions on it and I clarified that I needed to watch it a second time, which I have Mm -hmm. now done. Yes, and I still walk away with it thinking it's still a good movie. It's not perfect, but it's like any other Aronofsky film, like. I don't willingly watch Mother a second time or Requiem of a Dream for a second time. <laughs> or like, I, you just don't, I don't, per, tell me if you guys think different, but Aronofsky is just the guy that's like, his movie is a one watch experience, love it or hate it. But once it's over, you're, I, you're glad it's over one way or the other. Yes. And so like it, to revisit it is kind of like, it's weird for his type of form. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, I am not. I haven't seen a lot of Aronofsky movies. He's a blind spot for me. Yeah. I've seen Mother and this. Have you seen Requiem of a Dream? I've not. I've seen The Whale, and that's it. Yeah. I am a huge fan of Mother. I really enjoyed Mother. How many times have you watched? I've watched it? Mother once. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Because mm-hmm. it's such like an acid trip of a movie, right? Um, that I will. I would watch Mother again because I think it's actually it's of his, to my understanding of him. It's probably his most entertaining movie. Ye- I mean, I haven't seen Noah, which to my understanding uh, involves yeah, Russell Crowe. I'm I, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fuck you. I have Big seen, rock monster, Gollum, in it? I forgot. That's actually four Anofsky movies I've seen. Cause I uh, have, you've seen Noah? I've seen Noah. How crazy is Noah? Uh, it's fucking crazy. I know it has big rock monsters, so they're like, yeah, that's Gabriel the Angel. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch that when I go home. You now. should watch Noah. Wait, so, and I haven't seen... Uh, I haven't seen The Fountain. Uh, I've seen bits of The Fountain. Um, well, let me get to his directing stuff. Okay. Yeah, I've seen Mother. I've seen Noah. I've seen Black Swan. I've seen The Wrestler. I've seen Requiem of a Dream. Oh, I guess I've seen a lot of Aronofsky movies. I guess I've only seen The Whale. Black Swan is, I would say that's, <sighs> entertaining is weird to say, but like uh, Black Swan and um, uh I'd almost say the whale are the most similar movies together. Hmm. Like they're yeah. about somebody who's going through a self-destructive process. Yes. Mother's similar. Black Swan, a movie we might cover someday. It might. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. What? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. I had to think about that. Tune uh, into our coast of the flower moon episode to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I so okay, but no, you just said it for me, Jeff, that you would watch Mother again. Yes. Let me know the day you do. 
I bet it's going to be 10 years from now. Yeah. Because that's my point. It's like, I think I've always like passed through an Aronofsky movie on Netflix mm. or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did watch that a while ago. I should watch it again. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else is on. Yeah. And I end up picking another movie because subconsciously part of that is I don't want to see Requiem a Dream again. Mm. I watched the movie once. I will never watch it again. It's a great, great, mm. phenomenal movie, but you will never, ever, ever want to watch it again. Yeah. I think Black Swan, I could watch that multiple times. But the, the difference between the way Aaron Ofsky does kind of a miserable subject matter and the way, like, I'm going to use Spielberg as an example, which is, like, kind of unfair, but I'm just going to use it. I don't see why it's unfair. Well, it's just that he's, like, the best who ever did it. It's kind of unfair to compare other people to Spielberg. Yeah. Um, but Schindler's List, a movie I think about a lot, mm-hmm. that is, you know, when people are like, yeah, that's the most miserable movie ever made. And I'm like, watch Schindler's List. It's very intense. There's very harrowing stuff in it. Yeah. The movie itself is structured like a caper. Like, it's like yeah. you're kind of propulsed by this, um, I don't want to say action movie energy, but like yeah. kinetic no. energy of watching Oscar Schindler try and outsmart the Nazis. Yes. Yes, I 100% yeah. agree with you. And the, that's why Schindler's List is weirdly a very rewatchable movie. Yeah. Because, you ev- like, obviously the ending is intense. I cry every time. Um, the girl in the red dress is intense. There's like a lot of depressing stuff, but watching it, you're just like, you're kind of like, this is what the movies are all about. But is there mm-hmm. a moment in Mother where Jennifer Lawrence like steps up to the bat and saves the day? No, no. That, that's that's the thing is like right. he, Aronofsky approaches misery in a different way, and he typically doesn't make like out and out horror. Like his movies, I would say, generally lean more into like horror type. Yeah, Black but, Swan being the most. Yeah, but like another um, miserable movie would be Hereditary. Yeah. Which I think is extraordinarily rewatchable because even if the subject is miserable, like it's kind of like a movie you can be like, yeah, because there's all these demons <laughs> that get involved. It's almost like a true crime detective movie. Yeah. Because it's about the mom figuring it all out. Yeah, it's about the mom figuring it all out. It's not and, just about bad stuff happening. And there's the element of there being all these like metaphysical things involved. Yeah. Um, where you're just kind of like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. The part where Tony Collette's yelling at all her family ostensibly is the same structure of a scene as a lot of scenes in The Whale. Like it's like it's a very intense family argument with, you know, an actor who is breaking down as they're yelling. It's very similar to like the phrase like, I need to have done one thing right in my life yeah. scene. God. And rough, I think right? it I think it's interesting as like to audiences how hereditary, like, you watch it and some people are like, Hereditary's a comedy, and they mean that as a compliment. But no one watches the whale and thinks, Oh, this is a comedy. Because it's just like a difference in approaching the same texture of a scene. Hereditary is a comedy. I can point out some people to you. But what's their Um, argument for that? Their argument is basically that it's like the movie's about grief, and their argument is that it's like a comedy about how insane grief will like summon demons. It's hard for me to articulate the argument. I'm kind of a little swayed by it, if only because. Ari Aster's next two movies were comedies. Midsummer was a comedy? Watch. Here's the thing Midsommar, a movie that I went in expecting a horror movie. Yeah. Halfway through, I was, and I couldn't, I couldn't grasp the tone. Yeah. Because there is like Will Poulter going around doing a lot of funny stuff, like his vape jokes and whatnot. Yeah. And all the time, I'm like, I can't quite figure out, like, 
what the tone of this thing is. Yeah. And then halfway through the movie, Ari Aster, you know, puts in the most obvious thing of all time. He has a guy jump off a cliff and try and kill himself. He fails to die. And all the cultists come up with the world's largest hammer. <laughs> and that is the movie. It's him just hitting you on the head with extremely obvious, you know, points for a comedic effect. This movie is about breaking up done to the ninth, like the tenth degree. Okay, yeah. Uh, to your last bit, yes, I agree with yeah. that. Hitting the head over the hammer thing, I wasn't laughing when he hit the. Dude's I was head laughing over. so hard when that hammer came because I'm like, <laughs> you don't put a hammer of this scale in this movie unless you mean for me to laugh at it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I took that away from it, but then, I did understand the whole, like, this is a breakup movie to yeah. the nth degree. It's a breakup movie that, like, just goes so far where you can't help but kind of, like, laugh at how insane it is. The very ending, absolutely. Yeah. How he's just burning in the bear yeah. costume, and she's, like, it's, you think maybe she's going to cry, but then she just starts laughing and yeah. smiling, and it's like, oh, she's, like, happy mm. she's out of it now. It's like, I, I would not bemoan anyone who was, like, I didn't think that's a comedy. Like, I'm not going to argue that point. Mm -hmm. This is how I interpret that movie. I see where you're thought process is going the, with it though i would say bo is afraid which is his newest movie which i have not seen yet i haven't if seen you Bo's afraid is the most it's it's a full stop a comedy um but like a very bleak one let me describe for you a scene in that movie it's a movie all about anxiety and Great. he doesn't want to leave his house because he's anxious someone will break into his apartment he is forced to leave the house to go to the 7-eleven across the street and he keeps like looking out his at the window of the seven eleven to look at his front door. And it's like kind of propped open. You realize he forgot to shut it all the way. And like a homeless guy walks up and looks at it and goes up and opens the door. And then every single person on the street goes into his house. <laughs> like I kid you not, there's like a hundred extras and they all enclose on his door and go inside of his house, and then the street is empty. And he runs back outside and there's not a single extra around. They have all gone into his apartment. Okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that is the that is <laughs> yeah, that's that funny. is the tone of that movie. That's that's very funny. <laughs> it's like a good well, I was expecting when you were making that comparison, yeah. I, my first thought was Nope. Yeah. Like, nope to me is a funny movie. Yeah, Nope is a very funny movie. Nope Phrase is, also, is a horror. Yeah. But it is definitely a comedy. Hmm. Yeah. Nope is unique in that it is, like, it's a horror comedy. I mean, Midsommar, I would say, is the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. To a, um, maybe a different, a, a lesser degree. Yeah, a different degree. Yeah, Nope is very much half and half. Yeah, I would honestly say Nope is more in. It's more. Of it's like, more comedy than it's horror. It's basically Jaws. If you struck, if you look at the structure of the movie, down to the ending where yeah. they go and oh, hunt, yeah, it's basically yeah, just yeah. Jaws. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Hmm. And Jaws has Jaws is funny. It is scary, and it is like you know an action movie. And I think Nope is the first movie I've seen that really captures the essence of Jaws in that way that wasn't directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm. Okay. Because Jaws is like, you know, he's just like, he's trying to figure out what the fuck, where's the shark at? And then the end's like, I found the shark! I'm gonna go kill it! <laughs> um, And there's like, you know, it's the, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the basic structure. And Nope is like, he's like, I'm gonna figure out what's going on with this alien! And he's like, I found it! I'm gonna go kill it! Yeah. Um, there's a uh, Everyone who's gonna get mad and say like, Nope is about so much more. I agree. Nope is like the best movie of last year. There's so much to it. I'm not getting into it. We're talking about the whale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not defending Did you have this. pretext, Jeff? I, really, I do have pretext. I realize we, we went into a huge discussion. Yeah, but that's why, that's why people listen to the show. Yeah. Um, if you're listening at this point, you like when we go on those tangents. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're still here. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I prefer podcasts where they like kind of 
veer off a little bit and it feels like a natural they discussion. Keep veering off. Yeah, they yeah. have personality. Yeah, that exactly. It's personality instead of just a guy being like, So this movie came out in nineteen ninety two. No. Um It's the whale <laughs> based on a play. Um and wouldn't you know? Yeah. Couldn't you tell? Couldn't um, you tell? Oh my fuck. It's a play that came out in 2012, written by Samuel D. Hunter. Um, Apparently, Aronofsky has been interested in the play since he first saw it. It was originally performed in the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. It's not... It hasn't, like, gotten around that much, as near as I can tell. Hmm. Um, It it appeared off-Broadway. You know, it's been in Chicago. It was Hmm. in Japan this year, 2023. Um, But it's not like, you know... It's not a Broadway. Yeah. It's not Fences. It's not fen- It's not on Broadway. It's not, you know, winning Tony. It's, like, just a play that got performed and got, like, decent notices. Yeah. Um, it's an indie play. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. A Ar- short film. <laughs> Aronofsky um, apparently really liked it and been trying to work on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he could never figure out who he wanted to play Charlie in it, which is what kind of held him back from it. Hmm. In 2012. Yeah, and just like over the decade. In 2012, not Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> and also just bigger opportunities were presenting themselves to Aronofsky. Like yeah. um, Noah, which is a literally a big opportunity. Um, and the scale, Russell Crowe. <laughs> I just, um, it's so hard to fathom yeah. that he did Noah. And then it's... Mother, which kind of for, comes out of, you know, his relationship with Jennifer Lawrence and his interest in religious text. Mm-hmm. Um the hell happens in Mother? Jesus Christ. Mother is... Oh, right. Is, it's essentially... It's the creation story. Yeah, it's the it's the book of Genesis. But um, told at, in the span of a... Uh, would you like, say spouse? Yeah, it's it like... Expi- but like a spouse like in a, in a house and their relationship, mm-hmm. take that and apply the book of Genesis yeah. on it. Hmm. It's like, imagine if you... <laughs> we didn't yeah. do any justice imagine re- <laughs> in explaining it at all. <laughs> imagine ad- adapting the book of Genesis... From Eve's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and if Adam was also God, Earth, Earth, Earth's perspective, yeah, and that the husband is God because yes. Adam and Eve are characters. Yes. In oh Mother. yes, they are. You're right. Okay, Jennifer Lawrence's Mother Earth. Okay, Javier Bodem is God. Got it. And he and it's just you know Cain and Abel appear. Yeah, it's a good movie. I mm-hmm. I would actually recommend it. They do include. They do get into the New Testament, so there is a Jesus thing. Oh, thank God! Oh, no. and when it gets there, when it hits, <laughs> Jeff, does it hit? It hits. It hits. Oh, <laughs> you guys keep talking. I, I have to it's, go. It's use the one of the quick. few movies to have gotten an F cinema score, and don't we love it? And I I disagree. You guys keep cinema talking. Score. No, F cinema score is good. Yes. Oh. Um. So the the thing is, uh, while we wait for Stuart to come back before I continue contact, um. Cinema score is like it's reactions from people as they leave the theater. Mm. It's like they post up outside the theater and they're like, rate the movie on a scale of F to A plus. Oh. Um and so it's like it's what studios use for like audience reaction tracking. Mm-hmm. Because like IMDB reviews aren't reliable. Mm-hmm. Neither is like letterbox like it's the one way they can reliably figure out how does a general audience feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like critics might like it, um, like film fans might like it. How, what does the people who are just going to the theater to see this just movie? Just the general yeah. population. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's interesting because it directly correlates with box office results. Uh huh. The higher it is, the higher multiplayer movies have. Like mm-hmm. it's been proven essentially. Um, there's only 106 movies to have gotten a perfect cinema score, A plus. Mm-hmm. And there are 22 movies to have gotten an F cinema score. Mm. The thing about the F cinema score, if if a movie gets like a D or a C, mm-hmm. like it's probably a bad movie. Mm-hmm. If it gets an F, 
it's probably good. <laughs> because <laughs> if the general audiences are so revoltant to this movie, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. What, what could that movie be? Like, well, how bad does it have to be to get an F? Like, what other movies get F scores? It's movies, um, I will run through some of them. Um we covered a movie on this podcast called Lucky Numbers, mm-hmm. um, which got an F Cinema score. <laughs> it's a John Travolta like, like dark comedy caper. It is not that bad. Yeah, it's not like the best movie ever, but it's a very funny it got an F Cinema score, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of interesting to watch it through that lens. But why did people hate this so much? <laughs> um, Janusz Kamis- Kaminski, uh, Spielberg's DP, he directed a movie called Lost Souls. They got an F Cinema score. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, Solaris. Solaris. Yeah, his remake of the Tartakovsky, um, or Tartakovsky, um, Solaris with George Clooney got an F Cinema score. <laughs> Good movie. Jane Campion's In the Cut got an F Cinema score. Good movie. Oh, F Cinema yeah. yeah. William Freakin's Bug got an F Cinema score. Um, Richard Kelly's The Box, Killing Them Softly, Mother. Like, they're all interesting movies. Even if they're not good, they're interesting. Mm-hmm. A D Cinema score movie is probably, like, just shitty movie that no one put any effort into and F cinema score is like someone put a lot of effort into that and it is revolting and <laughs> wa- we need to watch this and dissect it yeah um mother good movie what did what did whale get on cinema score i actually don't know let me find out be a good carryover transitional question yeah Dude. i believe it was good um why you get an f i cannot find it right now I'm just Googling whale cinema score. I did that too, and it didn't give me... Didn't pop it up? No, it didn't. I'm going on cinemascore.com. Same. Mm. Uh, Stuart, why don't you continue doing that, and I'll start talking about the, uh, the pretext yes. a little more. Um, so Aronofsky, you know, he wants to make this movie, um, and he sees apparently a trailer for Journey to the End of the Night and, like, Fraser's intensity in it, and he's just like, what is, what's that guy up to nowadays? And so he looks at him and he's like, oh, this guy's perfect, like... He's, like, kind of down and out, and I want this movie to kind of somewhat parallel a career. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy who's down and out. And he has that in mind. He kind of puts it on the back burner a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not until 2020 that Brendan Fraser has a big comeback. Aronofsky, like, is looking at him, and the world is shut down. Film production is very hard to maintain during COVID, um, unless you're Tom Cruise and Chris McQuarrie. Um who did the most insane things ever. I listened to a 12-hour interview with Chris McQuarrie. It's crazy how they shot those movies. Um, what movies? The new Mission Impossibles. Oh, great. The, the COVID production that they went through those movies is insane. Yeah. There's parts of the, of the new one where one actor's coverage is shot in 2021 and the other one is shot three months ago. Oh, my God. No shit. It's crazy. I um, could not find the cinema uh, score. Cinema score. You mentioned that... Fraser's on an upswing and it's 2020. Yeah. But let's talk about his upswing, shall we? Before the whale. In turn, I'm not talking in terms of movies yet. I'm talking in terms of public perception. Exactly. Because we talked about last. Well, that's why week. I wanted to clarify. Yeah, of course. That it's not, he's, it's not that he got an Oscar nomination. Aronofsky thought he'd be good for the whale and then he won an Oscar. It's more so that like, I mean, there's some TV things that he's getting known for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think this is even. Or no, he was doing Doom Patrol. Yeah, because yeah. Doom was like the thing that I was like, oh shit, he's yeah, back. It, it was back? Doom Patrol and like, you know, he was doing some other TV stuff. No Sudden Move came out, but he has a pretty small part in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good. We talked about it, but it is, it, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and but you're right it is like a public perception yeah rise. a lot of people rediscover the whale or um, the mummy and George of the jungle and all these earlier movies during covid as comfort films and that makes them read the gq article yes that came out in two, like 2018 i think something like that and like that it just kind of leads to this public reevaluation of brendan fraser yeah and sw- up swoops in darren aronofsky who's been interested in this movie who's yeah. interested in brendan fraser and who also is looking to shoot a movie during a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, which generally means minimal background, minimal crew, minimal locations. What is better for that than an adaptation of a play? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie um, is like formally announced in January of 2021. Um, A24 purchases the rights to it. Um, Darren Aronofsky and Fraser are attached. The rest of the cast joins in March. Um there was a period of time where this sounds like the worst thing ever, where James Corden uh, and Tom Ford were looking to do this movie. Oh my god! Then um, that would have been a comedy. Like which one would have been Charlie and which one would have been the pastor? <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. All uh, right, my name is James Corden, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm the whale, aren't I? I'm just trying to do one good thing with my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that that could be false information. That's Scurrilous. It's through the Wikipedia references. Okay, I was like, that sounds um, like IMDb trivia. It's not nonsense. IMDb trivia, but I do want to say I wanted to say it because it sounds very funny. They should make that movie. No. Um, that's a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> um, the movie, Samuel D. Hunter comes back to uh, work and write the script for the movie. Um, mm. It's basically just the play with some minor changes. Yeah. They adjust the setting of the story mm. in the play is set in 2009 the movie is adjusted to 2016 yeah because there's election um, stuff yeah that is one of the elements of the movie that like kind of like was first thing to give me pause about it because mm-hmm. i'm very much a believer like if you put you know when you put stuff like that in your movie you are a stent you are making a point about it like you they, chose a reason like you could have put anything on that tv but you put election you stuff. chose to put the trump election with like they mentioned ted cruz and all that stuff mm-hmm. on the tv the it's the 2016 pri- uh, gop primaries um you've made that decision um so you are now making a statement about that that's a very hard you can't just put that on your tv and be like yeah. oh, it's set dressing mm-hmm. and saunter said he wanted the play to be before a major seismic change and i watched the movie and i don't you see don't- how this relates yeah the change doesn't happen in the movie like i there are like i've seen movies where they like kind of use like you know it's tracking a family and the trump election happens like two-thirds of the way through the movie and like it's saying something Mm -hmm. about that effect on american american change i don't remotely see how this movie correlates i mean to the election honestly i didn't even realize that they were talking about the election until the second time watching it Mm -hmm. through because i wasn't paying attention to what he was watching on tv i was i know it they shot this like almost like during the pandemic if not like very very shortly after but just make it about 2019 set Mm -hmm. it in 2019 set it in november 2019 when like covid's starting to become a thing i don't really mean to dig into too much but it is but just the fact that hunter said he wanted this to be before a major seismic change and then i don't know how the movie relates to that Mm -hmm. but you also include the fact they're doing video classes that he's they're all he's he's essentially sheltering in place already I don't know. It just seems like that 
that, that to me it feels like that's handed to them on yeah. the platter. That's almost a perfect COVID yeah. scenario. And, and they can wear fucking masks on yeah. set. Yeah. Like, and, and so that's where like one of the things where I'm like this. My a core issue I have with this movie is I think it's kind of sloppy in how it and does its themes and interprets them. And we'll go more into. And it. you're saying that is one of the examples. Yeah, just that you you put that in, said it had a point, and as far as I can tell, there isn't one. Oh, um, okay. We'll get in more. Into yeah, we'll get more into agree. it with the plot. But I just wanted to, you know, I that's in the pretext, so mm-hmm. I just wanted sure. to bring it up. Now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, the movie does get shot. It, they shoot it over the course of a month. It, it's a pretty quick shoot. Yeah. It's like four weeks. It's it's it does, doesn't take long. One it's location. one location, a uh, group of actors. Uh, Fraser you know, like really puts his heart and soul into this movie and performance. Yeah. And I do want to commend him for it, even if I have problems with the movie. Um, he wears a 300-pound uh, prosthetic every day. Jesus. I mean, um, like he's really not acting when he's walking yeah. in that suit. And That's... he had to work with a dance instructor to kind of figure out how he would walk with all that like excess. Huh. Yeah. Um, because it, even if it is like you know the actual weight and is a prosthetic, it's still he's still going to walk differently than an actual like person of that size would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just because you know there's it's, you're not used to it. And it's you know a, a thing. It's not your body. Well, and there's a lot of interviews of them talking about the construction of the suit that they wanted to be like obey the laws of physics and not just like a stomach that goes out three feet mm-hmm. that it would all just kind of drape down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked I like I liked how like you know physically true it it made it he is now i know fraser is tall in general yes but he is bit taller gigantic he's like and not he's like because the thing is like the height wouldn't really change that much but he is like borderline half a foot taller to me is what it Mm -hmm. seems like than he is in real life Mm -hmm. so i wonder like because there's like some parts when he's like when he sits down and his like shins bend a little bit yeah. differently than how they normally would. And I'm wondering like, is he like on like stilts or something? And those mm-hmm. feet aren't his real feet. Yeah. I, that's something that I just wondered about. Cause he's just noticeably taller than yes. what I imagine he is. I imagine that they did, you know, increase his, his height a little bit. Yeah. Just uh, towering. That is basically all the pretext that I do have. For them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there another clip that I think could, yeah, we could play another clip. Um, Let's tune in with Taylor Hentrip. Uh, see what he feels about this oh. movie. Hello, Yefree. This is Taylor recording for The Whale in three, two, one. <laughs> so I was pretty excited to go see The Whale. I was a big fan of Aronofsky's The Wrestler, and I was hoping what that movie did for uh, Mickey Rourke, the same thing would happen for Brennan Fraser. So I go see it in IMAX, and the largest theater I could find... I want to see every little bit of the whale on screen. So I'm sitting there waiting to be enthralled by this story of a man fighting his inner urges and trying to reconnect with his daughter, just like the wrestler. I'm sitting there, sort of enjoying the movie. There's some great performances, some pretty bad ones too. But a moment in the movie happens where Brendan hits one of his lowest points and he starts chowing down on a pizza filled with mayo. And the score is telling you to be horrified and... This is a low point in his life, but I'm watching the screen, and I crack a big old smile. I felt bad, but I couldn't help myself. And because of that, I had to like actively try to get the emotions out of the film that it wanted me to, but it just didn't happen. A lot of it had to do, as well, due to Sadie Sink. Most of the film revolves around her, and I couldn't help but feel... Uh, 
zero empathy for her. I think the saddest part in the movie to me is Charlie's insistence that she is this genius, genius child. And Charlie being in complete denial of her evil side, whether or not she has it due to birth or due to her home life, could be both. But unfortunately, all of that really falls flat because Sadie Sink is the worst actor in the whole movie. She's not the worst performer I've ever seen in my life, but everything about the energy that everybody else gives in the film, I can't help but feel that she's easily the worst. She feels the most inauthentic of a very inauthentic movie, which is saying a lot. I wish it all worked for me, but it didn't. I like the funny eating bits, though. Oh, my God. Wow. It's, Get it's the, the mind, fuck it's the out of here with your <laughs> Minecraft eating. First uh, off, I don't know who that is. I don't... Taylor? Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Trip. yeah, he was a guest on the show. They... Uh, he would be great at reading like creepypastas. He's got, he's got the tone. I've been listening to a lot of those recently and he's got the perfect tone. He's got the voice. He'd be like, all right, he was in the forest (laughs) and then he found some stairs and then he walked up the stairs. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. Good voice for creepypastas. Um, I think Taylor brings up an interesting point. uh, As we start talking about the plot is kind of the movie's intentions versus the audience's reactions. Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't disagree with Taylor, yeah. with what Taylor said. I, I. I think my biggest thing I'm gonna hold mm-hmm. in this movie on why I feel the way I feel about it is personal connection. Yeah, and I. I know that's like very much like you know it's a subjective thing, and I know people are just gonna say like, well, you know, but if you look into the objective things in the movie, and I watching it a second time because I, I remember Jeff and you, you've been you've been holding back some of your punches at me. A little bit, because when I walked out of the whale, when we wa- when I watched in theaters with you, I think, and I think you yes. were there too. No, uh, no, oh, no, and I saw it by ourselves. Um, I I was enamored with the film, and I was a like just such a big fan of like what that movie did because mm-hmm. I was I ha- I have a lot of like connection with the movie that we I can I can talk about and address later, but watching it again. I still hold that it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I still think it's good. I have a lot of connection with it that carries me over. I do agree in a lot of the complaints about some of the performances. I think Sadie Sink. The thing is, is like, has any have any of you met? Uh, does anybody, any of you know a Sadie Sink in your lives, or like in the in the past have known a Sadie Sink? Because I know her. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I have met a Sadie Sink in the whale before, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why I like. Don't get me wrong, like she is. The whole movie puts a lot of its crux yeah. on her, and she's playing one note, and it's not a very sympathetic note. I it didn't tarnish it too much for me, though. Mm. I didn't. I don't think it's a bad performance. I think it's just it that was Aronofsky's direction. And that's yeah. what she was doing. I when I watched it the first time, that's one of the few movies that actually got me to tear up watching yeah. it through it because I do like you were saying. I have a personal connection with watching this. Yeah. And, you know, Sadie sinks. I didn't think she was that bad. The right. second time watching it, I mean, Savannah's like, oh, my God, she's so fucking annoying. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's a daughter who, in her eyes, got abandoned by everybody. I'm going to be an asshole, too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I'm not agreeing with what she did. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like there is some justifiable means to why she's such a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, I, to, I agree. To his point about Brendan Fraser stuffing his face with food, I'm like, that's 
some people react that way, right? Yeah. Like I'm in a bad space. Food makes me somewhat yeah. feel better. Like when he's sitting on the couch the first time, and I don't know how much you want me to dive into this, but like when he eats the chicken for the first time, and I mean, mm. he's just shoving it yeah. in there. God. I'm like that. That's yeah. exactly why he's the way he is because yeah. he's coping with everything else going on with food. And that's the only way that he can yeah. do that. And, and I'll go on to be as bold to say that people who haven't hit a moment in their lives where that's their coping mechanism, that would be funny to them. Yeah. I, my problem with that scene, I actually think that scene is good. Yeah. Um, for what it's trying to, my problem with that scene, and we'll talk more about it when we get to it, you know, going through the movie, mm-hmm. is Bre- like Brendan, like he has this like food binge, and the score is like, burr, burr, burr. it actually kind of sounds like the Mordor theme from Lord of the Rings. It's very weird. Hmm. It's like, burr, 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 burr. I I think it would have been better served if it was no score. Well, I, I I like the score in it. I like the scene. My problem is it's setting up like this very intense like attempted suicide kind of yeah through binge eating yeah and then. Ty Simpkins yeah. knocks at the door. Yeah. And Brennan just like turns to him and Ty Simpkins comes and he's like, hey, what's up, dude? It's yeah. like, they stuck. It's I, weird. I agree with it's you. It's very strange. I agree with you. Yeah. It is no, very I, like juxtaposed. Yeah. The way the way I, that's when he comes in with the Bible he found. Yeah. Right? So to me, that was like, a, he's he's on his way to just the self-destructive. Yeah. And somebody is like, oh shit, I don't want to be caught in this yeah. thing. That's how I felt about it. But I understand where it's like, okay, wait a minute. Why are we switching gears yeah. all of a sudden? Because Brendan, yeah. like, he does isn't even expressing any issues. He's just like, binge eat all that stuff. And then he's like, hey, you're the priest. He very quickly pivots his wheelchair. Yeah. And other than a few stains on his shirt, yeah. you could not have told. Tell, yeah. You would not be able to tell that he just tried to commit suicide. Now, now Justin. Mm-hmm. You said you saw this movie with Savannah, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think of this? Savannah, I believe, didn't really have a problem with it. Well, let's find than... out what she said. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't even know. <laughs> what is there to say about the whale? Yeah, tell me. Well, easily it's one of Brendan Fraser's best performances. The fuck, did she record this in the living room with the windows open? I gotta get the car out of there. Thank you. <laughs> And essentially, it is a very uncomfortable film. And that does not make it a bad film. Yet, it makes it a great film. Because art is supposed to question our comfortableness. Art is supposed to make us feel uneasy. It can also make us feel happy and sad and pretty much any human emotion but a lot of things that people forget about is that art can make us very uncomfortable and the whale definitely made me feel uncomfortable in the best way there are select few movies that you never want to watch again only because they make you feel so uneasy and uncomfortable. The Whale is one of those movies. I will watch it again. You had to. Just because of Brendan Fraser and how amazing his performance is. But if somebody was like, oh my gosh, let's put on The Whale for fun, I'd have to say, you're crazy. Because that film is not fun. Taylor would disagree. It's great. It's an amazing <laughs> if film. If you rewind about but it. But it is not a fun film. I don't think anybody could have been in that role more perfectly than Brendan. He 
has been through so much and has dealt with so much that I feel like all the pain that he has endured just showed through his eyes during that performance. He deserves every award he got for this role. I want to know when she recorded that because we rarely are out of that house. I can actually tell you it was when you were away for a weekend. Oh, um, so it was when I went home. All right, yeah. so it was last week. All right. Yeah, she was one of the first people who submitted a uh, You know, it's recording. funny because we were talking about it this morning. Literally, she said around the same thing because I yeah. was like, we were watching it. And I had to keep scrolling on my phone. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, sometimes I just need to get away from the headspace this movie puts me in. It's a very, to me, it's a very miserable movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I mean that in a good way. Like, but if someone was, like she said, if someone goes, yo, you want to watch The Whale? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it? Okay, sure. You know? Yeah. But, because like, we tr- I tried watching it Monday, but, you know, the Monday yeah. before this and i was like i can't i need a minute yeah like i just can't you need to approach this thing in the right headspace literally i think that's a very good motto for the movie as a whole yeah just you have to approach it in the in the right headspace yeah um i mean i'm I'm pretty much in lockstep with the savannah's thoughts Mm -hmm. and opinions um but should we get more like plot plot specific yeah let's start going through the plot uh i just want to space these out a bit yeah we start with the bus stop that's the first. We do start with the bus. That's though. the first image. Now, I it's all in a wide, and when I first watched it in theaters, my first thought is, "Oh, is this Sadie Sink's character?" But then I realized, no, it's the missionary yeah. kid taking a bus to Idaho. Yes. It's interesting that he's the first person that we don't know we're seeing mm-hmm. that we're seeing in the movie. Yeah, and it immediately goes into one of my issues with this movie. Is that I? Th- I think this movie struggles with perspective, um, because ostensibly you think it's supposed mm. to be from Brendan Charlie's perspective, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like for the first seventy five percent of the movie, he's barely like doing anything. He's kind of a passive character who other characters are doing things to. Well, and Jeff, that could be a point of the movie. Okay. Yeah, you said. Um, but I think that, that that just kind of struggles, that makes it a struggle for me to find, you know, a compelling narrative here. If I'm just watching all these other characters come in, dump their problems on Charlie and leave. Which I'm, I feel like it probably works better as a stage play. Um, but when we start this movie with Ty Simpkins, Ty Simpkins corner real quick. What were they thinking? What do you mean? I loved Ty Simpkins when he was in Iron Man 3. He's great in Iron Man 3. He's good in Jurassic World, a movie I don't care for very much. Um, he took a few years off. Um, and I don't feel bad saying this. Like, came back with two of the worst performances I've seen in years. Hmm. This and what else? This and Insidious 5. Oh. He reprises his role from the first Insidious. I still haven't seen Insidious 5. He's very good in the first Insidious. The he, one where he's a kid? Yeah, where he's a kid. Yeah. He was a good kid actor. In Insidious Five, he's he has asleep like, the whole movie. In Insidious Five, he has like, I I, I struggle to describe. He has like, <laughs> basically like mullet, a mullet, and like a bandana, 
And he's like, just walking around. Dad, you don't understand. The ghosts are still with me. And you're like, what is this movie? What is this performance? I actually kind of wanted to see Insidious Five. Is it not? Is it terrible? It, it's not very good. Oh um, man, I gotta sucks. go home and it, see most, Noah, Mother, and Insidious Five now. The movie really hinges on you being able to care about Ty Simpkins, um, and it it's it's really hard with the with what. I don't he, know if it hinges on it. Do <laughs> what hinges on it? I don't think so. He's the main character. Ty Simpkins? Yeah, he's the main character of the new movie. Oh, of Insidious Five. Yeah, of Insidious oh, Five. Okay, sorry. I thought you meant. Like, oh, sorry, Insidious I th- Five. Thought you, okay. Yeah, but, you know the whale about Ty Simpkins. Right. The movie hinges upon Ty Simpkins being likable, and the whole time I was like, "Give me Patrick Wilson back. I like him." Yeah. Um, and uh, this movie, when you start off with Ty Simpkins, I'm initially like, "Okay, I'm going to be following this character's um journey." Or at least I should care about it. Mm-hmm. Does he go on a journey in this movie? I don't really think he does. He, it's a small one, but not one that's yeah. impactful. And so, you know, starting off with him and his, like, you know, voyage um, to Charlie's house is an interesting... It's a weird move, starting with his perspective. Because I think the movie, re- like I said, it has a problem with perspective from my view mm-hmm. and just kind of like jumping between all these other characters and we never really care about Charlie's perspective. So until, I, yeah. I, I half disagree, half agree. Yeah. I agree that there, the, there's a, there, I don't think that it's the problem of perspective. It's mm-hmm. the problem of the choice choices they're making with the perspective. Yes. This is a choice of bouncing around between different people mm-hmm. and coming back to Charlie on occasion and by him not really able to do much. I just want to read something because it's yeah. restated over and over and over again in the movie, which is, I felt saddest of all when I read the boring chapters that were yes. only descriptions of whales because I knew that the author was trying just trying to save us from his own sad story just for a little while. So to that thing, I, I think Aronofsky made a very clear choice depicting like, you know, every single person that comes in and out of the apartment are going through their own journey. Yeah. And they're masking what they're trying to do by taking care of Charlie, who yeah. in their head is like he's the he's the grotesque monster that has to be like yeah. cared for. He's the main character of the story. But he's everybody to... knows like Moby Dick is not the main character of Moby Dick. Yeah. It's so, about Ishmael, I have all those guys. Yeah, it's about all those guys. Now, do each of those individual uh pathways carry as much weight as they probably should have? No. I don't think and they I do. think it's interesting that he says I found it when during the boring parts about the whales anatomy, and I'm like, buddy, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna make buddy. A, you're gonna make a comment about the rest yeah. of the book, the whale, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you if you put a line in the movie, it's like I felt the most sad during the boring parts. Well, because to Charlie, his life is the boring parts. Yeah. Well, I think Charlie's the interesting parts. Well, but not to him. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't, I mean, you know, I mean, every, his whole thing is like an identity issue, right? Mm-hmm. His, I don't, again, I don't want to, I don't know yeah. how much you want me to get into before we get there, but like things happen. So to him, he's like, who would love me? Yeah. I'm the boring part. So that's why I feel like he identifies with that part, mm-hmm. especially being the whale, because he believes he's the boring chapters in everybody else's like story. Yeah. And it's just, it's an interesting approach that I think probably works better on a stage. Well, I, I, yeah. I think it can work in a movie, but I don't, what I don't disagree with, what I agree with you on, Jeff, is that if that's the structure the movie's going to be, then each individual plot point has to like really matter and 
have three act structures in each. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I agree that Ty Simpkins has like he has like act one, not really act two, and then like a very hastily yeah. rushed act three. Where it's like, oh, I'm actually not a missionary. I stole money from my parents and my church, and I'm running away, and I'm doing this missionary stuff on my own. Oh, Sadie Sink, just whether she was trying to hurt me or save yeah. me, got me back in touch with my family, the end. Sadie Sink, it's like I'm a brooding, evil teenager who hates the world, well. hates life. Uh, my dad's going to offer me a lot of money by making me fix some essays. And then by doing that, I'm going to realize that I am a smart and loved person who has like mm-hmm. weight in the world or whatever. Like that, so that's like that's the choice that the filmmakers are making. Mm-hmm. But I, what something that I wish the movie did more so was like I think there's a reason why the most powerful scene in the movie is with um, the, the mom Sarah. Yes, Sarah uh, Mary, played by Mary. Samantha Morton. There's a reason why that's like probably one of the most like powerful moments in the movie because it's yet another sailor, you might say, mm-hmm. having an encounter with this whale and and going through a journey in mm-hmm. that regard. And I think that, that, that is essentially what I think Aronofsky was trying to do. And that's why I, th- I th- and if I've, I haven't seen the play. I've not read the play, yeah. but I imagine that's very much kind of what the movie is. It's like the entire movie takes place in a house, but it's like the first 10 minutes is somebody coming to his house, having a whole journey and come leaving another per- different person. Mm-hmm. Another person comes through, has a different journey, leaves a different person until eventually like you're left with just Charlie dying yeah. or whatever maybe that's just what the play is whereas the movie has to like kind of space I, that out a it, it spaces it out and it's also like it's trying to make like each individual has a three x structure while charlie and everybody within it has a three x structure mm-hmm. and i think that's where the muddiness comes from i i can understand like the issue where it's like you get kind of this one character's problem they disappear they come back yeah. they're not really on that problem something else is going on or you know the kid keeps coming back to be like hey you know jesus saves yeah you know shit like that and but then eventually it's like oh well i'm done you know mm-hmm. i i understand like the issue with how people have about that because they're not really going here's this character's problem we've solved it here's the growth in between but i i don't think again i don't think those people are the most important pieces they're not the boring they're the boring chapters to us yeah and but and the thing is they're the boring chapters to us mm-hmm. um um, whether it's because of performance or X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, but the movie is still playing it as if they're the important stuff. They're the mm-hmm. important stuff. The, right. the final scene of the movie is entirely dependent on Sadie Sink feeling um, like she's freed um, and thereby giving Charlie freedom. And if I'm just not compelled by any of these stories, I spend the first three quarters of the movie entirely being like, I don't care about any of this. Anytime we cut to Charlie, I'm compelled by the st- his story. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do more of that. Well, what story are you compelled from on Charlie's perspective? Like when we cut back getting, to Charlie, what interests you? Just learning about his psychology. Interesting. Like just what made this guy the way that he is. So you want more about what's going on in his head first. I want more. Th- I want the movie to be more from his perspective. You mm-hmm. want to understand why he cares so much about an evil demon teenager. Yes. Not the child. scenes with him and the evil demon teenager. Yeah. Like I, okay. the movie, I mean, it kind of, a big thing about this movie is that it kind of operates on either end of the spectrum and not in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's either kind of yelling at you what it wants you to feel. Yeah. Or it just isn't, you know, giving you anything about why it feels like why this is happening. 
and you're just kind of supposed to dig into it. That mm-hmm. I agree with 100%. Because you can infer that the reason that Charlie cares about Ty Simpkins is because he has a daughter who was led astray, and he also had a former partner who died at the hand of the church that um, Ty Simpkins works for. And he teaches a class of children. And you can kind of dig like, all right, the reason he cares about these people is because he cares about his daughter. The movie never draws that connection for you. Mm-hmm. You kind of just have to be like, I think that's the reason why he cares so much about all these other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or is it because he wants to leave an impact? The movie never draws like the connection. And so you're forced to connect it. And then the other half of the movie is him being like, I need to make sure I care about one thing in my life, which is a great scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 like we need the middle ground. Mm-hmm. We need the middle ground where the movie is like, you know, developing themes and just kind of playing them out and letting you understand this character more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think what we did explore with Charlie just really affected yeah. me a lot. I agree. Yeah. My my main contention with this, my main issue with this movie is that I find his story very compelling. Um, and I wish the movie was as compelling as the story that that character deserves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of it just comes off to me as like misery for misery's sake. Like it feels like we're punished. Like we're just watching this character be punished um, without really getting anything on our end out of it. Well, that would be an Aronofsky movie. Yeah. And that would be uh. an Aaron, like that's an Aronofsky move and I get it. Um, but there's only so much of that, that, you know, as a viewer of a movie that, you know, you should be expected to take well, without well, getting something in return. Well, I think again, halfway agree, halfway disagree. Yeah. I think I agree with um we're we're left too much in the middle on this movie. Yeah. And it needs to pick a side. And I and I think Aronofsky almost made a contention by writing that last scene the way it is. Because mm-hmm. if it was a true Aronofsky movie, she would have finished reading the essay and then left and he would have just died alone. Yeah. That that's how an Aronofsky movie, a true Aronofsky movie, would have ended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's an adaptation of a play. But it's an adaptation of a play, and but I part of me just wonders. It's like like can you, kind of what you were saying. It's like you know where some people do just like in the Aronofsky theme of it. Some people will and do just die alone and fat. Yeah, like mm-hmm. and and Charlie's probably not going to be any different. Yeah. In that that's. But they don't go with that. Instead, he gets up on his legs, walks to his daughter, and ascends to heaven. Yeah. Like, which, watching it a second time, I was like, that is pretty ridiculous. I'll, I'll be talking about that more when we get to the end. I, and I agree it's pretty ridiculous. Cause I, I, but I be, only because I, it should either end with them not talking and her just sitting in the room as he passes away, mm-hmm. or them never reconnecting and he dies alone. And and Sadie Singh can be replaced by multiple characters yeah. too. It can be replaced with Time Sipkins. It can be replaced with uh, Hong Chao Liz. Um, it can be replaced with uh, Mary. It can be replaced with anybody. Yeah. It can be replaced with a pizza delivery guy. Yeah. I think. If imagine you... if. Sorry. Imagine if that's how the movie ended. The pizza delivery guy. Well, like Sadie Singh reads the essay and she just says, "I don't know what you expect from me." Walks out the door and he collapses on the ground and he's like hyperventilating, about to die. And there's another knock on his door. And he can't even say anything, and he opens it, and it's the pizza delivery yeah. guy. I think that's so miserable. But like, it, but well, here's the thing. B- 
but Justin, <laughs> it, it'd be rough. Yeah. That'd be a whole other. That's a whole other layer that it's the pizza fucking delivery I mean, it guy would that's round, with you in your last moment. I like that the movie is about his redemption. And I, I like the ending in concept. I think you have to build a bridge to that, um, to that heightened of a finale if you're going to do it. Yeah. But I like the idea in concept that this is a movie about him reconnecting with his daughter. Yeah. And I think, why do we have all this other fluff? Why Why are we spending... Ty Simpkins fluff. Why are and... we wasting all this time with Ty Simpkins? I like the Hong Chow character. She's fine. Um, like, that makes sense that she would be a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Why do we have all this time with um, um, Ty Simpkins? We don't need the pizza delivery guy. Like... Oh, it, I so disagree. Like, oh, I love, I love. That's probably my favorite parts of the movie, I, Jeff. I like the parts where it's just the pizza delivery guy, like you know, he knocks on the door and they have that little like relationship. Yeah, that's you kind okay? of fu- that's kind of fun characterization. I don't like the part where he like opens the door and the pizza delivery guy looks at him like he's disgusting. It's just like, all right, yeah, we, it was... we get it, we get it. The movie is all on a dolly track around him. We get that he is disgusting. We understand. <laughs> That that was the part that I was like, "What the fuck, man!" Like yeah. you knew you wanted to see this guy. You see me go. Huh. And what did you, you think he was gonna away? look like? <laughs> Guys ordering two pizzas that's for what, himself every night. What did you think he was gonna look like? That's literally what Savannah said when he hopped. She's like, "What the fuck did you expect?" She's like <laughs> he's he won't come to see you. <laughs> All right, before we play our next clip, let's just go through like uh, logistical like plot points. So because uh, he's on the bus, we can knock this out in fifty seconds. He's on the bus <laughs> and. We cut to, uh, you can, I mean, I like to spend a little more yeah. time on it, but, um, and then we are straight to him jacking off to get, can I yeah. say I'm in the theater, yeah. right? I sit, I sit in this theater, my girlfriend and I believe our roommate at the time was there to watch it. And I'm like, I can't wait to see Brendan act his <laughs> ass off. I'm so ready to see what this guy's about to drop. Like first scene and it's a bus, right? Guy gets off or whatever on the bus. It's like, okay. And it does the classroom, and it's yeah. slowly zooming on in. a I'm black like, screen. On a black, and I'm like, oh boy, what are we gonna? Brendan Fraser's just jerking off, yeah. like cuts, and he's just, and I'm just like, this is how I not expected to see my hero right now. <laughs> it is like the best, like, because the movie's built up like marketing wise as like, watch Brendan Fraser come back in this Oscar-winning performance. I know your favorite actor from The Mummy, George the Juggle. Look at him act his ass off and be depressing. Oh boy, I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm just, just like jerking <laughs> off to gay porn. Uh I mean, I, 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 I. That was that was my. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could not have started that movie with a more perfect opening, in my opinion. Yes. To just show you what you're about to be in for. And then for him to be interrupted by a missionary. Yes. <laughs> with it, it, like the laptop still open and the missionary not just running out for like to mm-hmm. save his life. Uh, so, yeah, he's jerking off the gay porn and then he gets like heart palpitations or whatever. He gets like yeah. part of his heart congestion failure. Knock on the door. Um, Ty Simpkins, the missionary. Uh, comes in. What's his actual name in the movie? Uh, Thomas. Thomas. Father Thomas. <laughs> uh, missionary Thomas. Uh, Thomas the missionary. I don't know. Thomas the train. tank engine. I don't know. Thomas the tank engine. Um, comes in and he sees him. He's like, "Oh my god!" And sees Fraser, you know, with Pornhub gay porn open. Yeah. And then immediately, F- Fraser, uh, Charlie's just like, "Read this. Read this." And he hands him like a little, you know some pieces of paper and he starts reading it. It's a part of an essay of written about Moby Dick. Yeah. And it's going to be repeated like throughout the entire movie. But of course, Tyson is like, why do you want me to read this to you? He's like, just read it. Yeah. <laughs> <love> God. <laughs> read 
read it. And uh, so that's actually a pretty good Brendan right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he he reads it and he's able to like calm down. Yeah. And then that's when he's like, "Wait, so who are you?" It's like I'm a missionary from the church. I'm here to spread the gospel. New life, church. Get New the life. Fuck out of here. Talk about Jesus Christ. Uh, and he's like, what? And then shortly after Liz, um, this is Hong Chao's character comes in, who is his caretaker, uh, who works as a nurse full time, comes home to take care of Charlie. And she's immediately like, get the fuck out of yeah. here. I don't want to, I don't know why I give her a Boston yeah. accent, but it's just like, I don't want to see you fucking new lifers. Take and shoes. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then she's, she, she, takes his blood pressure she's like what, what were your symptoms it's like really hard to breathe chest pain it's like you have your blood pressure is like 280 over 134 yeah, that was insane which is like you're dead <laughs> I, was, I was just like when he's googling it i'm just waiting for google to be like you're dead you're just a dead person um and so but she says um yeah you have like stage three heart congestive a congestive heart failure. Yeah. Like you need to go to hospital right now. He's like, no hospitals. I don't have insurance. Yeah. yeah he can't we afford don't, it. Yeah. We don't know yet that he actually has some money, uh, that he's just like a teacher, um, who teaches English. I'm guessing. Yeah. English writing, 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 English, something kind. like, yeah. Cause he kept, he's like rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. Yeah. Like composition and essay writing. Yeah. I think kind of what his subject is. And so then, you know, he's like saying no hospitals, no hospitals, not going to do that. And so then she, sits on the couch with him they start watching something and then he this is where it was the first moment i started crying in the movie when he's like liz she, and she knows what he's asking her to do yeah. without even saying it because there's a bucket of fried chicken tearing up at that i didn't yeah. cry that movie I, did not make me cry but god damn it it got me pretty close. i immediately started tearing up at that first scene uh because and then she eventually answers gets him a bucket of chicken and he just starts raw dogging it and like yeah. i said this dude I, I didn't think there were bones in it because this man's just like shoving, just shoving it shoving in his it mouth in. yeah yeah uh yeah it so i i mean that i think yeah. that's a very good like pause point if if there's like oh another, you want me to play someone else well i don't know and I, I can, other than that i just my from that from what we've talked about to that point i'm already like kind of like into the movie yeah like that first like bucket of fried chicken scene yeah i mean mm. teared up bit of chicken fried cold beer <laughs> on a friday night if zach brown played Pair while he was eating that brown. i would have killed myself <laughs> I, I, that i would have actually bawled and cried <laughs> with the radio <laughs> All yeah, the country boys just start yeah. clapping. They all you, so this like movie makes two billion dollars. You're, you're in the theater, and then behind you, it's like every dude in a cowboy hat boots. Cold beer on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> the movie theater attendants come out with buckets of chicken. Just <laughs> just start, like, what? Oh, um, I'll play someone else. Yeah. Uh, so let's tune in and find out what Mark Tilly thought of this movie. Mm, this motherfucker. Hi, Jeff and Stuart. This is Mark Tilly. Uh, Stuart already Justin. knows this. I don't like the whale. All respect to Stuart. I love Stuart. Um, Thank you, Mark. Yeah. I love you too. Talking about this movie stresses me out. I know. I don't like it. I know you don't. I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's made very well. It's okay. Um, but that's okay. That's it. Have fun. That's all he's got to say. That's all he's got to say. Honestly. I respect him. I mean, yeah. he didn't give any specifics as to why he thought it wasn't very well made. or what, mm -hmm. But but I respect anyone's opinion if they don't yeah. like this movie and think it's well yeah. made. I respect your opinions. I respect. And, and on a very yeah. contextual surface, objective level, like, I see a lot of problems with yeah. that. Especially on the second viewing. I'm like, yeah, Ascension to Heaven, not very well thought yeah. out. Sadie Sink, kind of playing one yeah. note. Ty, Ty, what the fuck, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is kind of just popping it out the most yeah. random, inappropriate times in the movie. 
Like, I, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really struggling to just, like... I struggled on the second viewing to, like, kind of stay locked into the movie. First time when we saw it in a theater. I'm in a theater. I can... It's impossible to not pay attention to the movie when you're mm-hmm. in a theater. It's very hard. Second time at home, I kept, like, mentally zoning out for a little bit. I'm like, I need to focus on this movie. Um, because it's just... I, I didn't really care about what was happening for mm-hmm. a lot of the runtime. Mm. Yeah. I, I did that a lot during the second rewatch but that was more for me to be like i need to get in a different headspace for a second so i can come back to watching this were you zoning out at the boring whale parts jeff uh boring whale parts um all the parts with ty simpkins or so not the boring whale parts no i was into those parts whenever it's just whenever it's just brendan on screen it's kind of like yeah. when the movie says it's supposed to be the interesting parts that's when you were zoning out yes and i i agree with that i agree with that argument i think the whole point of the movie is trying to say like charlie's life shouldn't be the interesting thing it should be all these people and the movie doesn't quite do that yeah it doesn't quite succeed at the floor well it's almost like it's telling you these are the interesting people but this is the actual interesting person right yeah, because to me it's like that's what they're trying to do is be yeah. like, oh my god, look at these people that are trying to help them. This guy is running away. This is like the ne'er do well. This is like his helper. Yeah. And I feel like the movie is structured in a way that it's trying to start off with you not re- with you like kind of also being repulsed by Charlie. Yeah, like it wants you at the beginning to kind of be like, um, god, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Um, as you're interested by these other stories, but it's Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, I'm like, I'm in, I am compelled sad. by this guy's story. I'm sad for him. Yeah. And the movie does like, it doesn't have to do all the legwork to be like, no, you should actually feel empathy for this guy. And I'm like, you got me. <laughs> I, I came in. I'm, emp- I feel, I'm feeling yeah, it. You're, Stop I, feeling it. Stop I, punching me. I, I got it. And I agree with that because I, 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 I walk in cause it's, it's, it's a double edged sword on one hand. You either feel bad for him cause it's Fraser and yeah. you don't want like seeing him in this kind yeah. of state. Or on the other hand, you have personal experience in that Yeah, and you don't like seeing that. Yeah. And so you feel sad people who walk in and see people eating chicken and like, like if Aronofsky be like, I want people to walk in the theater see him eat chicken and be like, who the fuck is this guy? This disgusting. You know who that audience is? Toxic people. Yeah. Like that's just, that's, that's toxic people. (laughs) Who who went onto their AMC Stubbs app, scrolled to the whale and said, I'm going to go see this repulsive man. (laughs) This movie looks, I want to see this movie about this repulsive man. But I agree with you, Jeff. It almost seems like that is kind of what Aronofsky is catering to in the first act of the movie. That's what the movie, that's uh, the thing about the movie is it, it assumes that you, don't ref- feel for this guy mm-hmm. and that it has to do the work to make you feel for in him. In which case, bad casting. Well, that's the thing, right? So like, cause if you know going up to this, what Brendan Fraser has gone through, it's like, fuck yeah. man. Yeah. You, he gets like his first big movie in so long. And it's like, it's this, it's, it, it's wild to make a movie assuming that your audience is not empathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like yeah. most people who watch movies Very well said. Very well said. have a sense of empathy. Yeah, that that Roger Ebert has the great quote where he says um, the point of like existing on this world is to have empathy for each other. And movies are a machine that generate empathy. I don't understand why you would make a movie assuming that people are coming in without empathy and they'll leave with empathy. Part of me feels like it's just one of those like the wounds open, but I'm going to keep punching it. Yeah, there are there are back of what you just said. There are movies there like it's rare to have movies that where it's expected you to come in without empathy and come out with empathy. Yes. There are movies that are like that. There are. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the cusp of thinking of one of them. I can think of one of them, and it's also a complete failure of doing it. What? Joker. Oh. Joker wants you to come and be like, 
guys, didn't the Joker get a raw deal? And at the end of the movie, I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing about that movie is anybody that walked away that was like, you know, the Joker's not that bad. I'm like, you're a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying the movie wants you to come in thinking because he got he's an evil person in coming out that he got a raw deal or yeah. coming in to think he the, got a raw the first deal? One. Coming... You should, because like, essentially, if you go to see a movie called Joker, you're like, I have seen The Dark Knight. I have watched Batman the Anime Series. I know the Joker is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, you're going into a movie about a bad guy. You're going into that kind of like with the idea, like, I know what he's going to become. Mm. You know he's going to be this yeah. monster. And, and the movie wants you at the end of it to be like, don't you, you know, society failed the Joker. But society. <laughs> and and why is that wrong? Uh, I don't. I think it's an interesting idea. I think Todd Phillips is a very bad director. Mm. Um, Ooh. Damn, He's so, you know what his good movies are? What The Hangover One? <laughs> <laughs> but no, why is it wrong that the Joker got a raw DL society based on what the movie's saying? Um, it's less an issue of the thing it's saying and more how it's executing it. I so think him on top of the car with all the people around him that yeah, was doing the smile. Yeah, that the the execution of Joker is basically just watching. Um, a guy do terrible things and delight in it and then being like, you know, it didn't have to be this way. <laughs> delight? D- you th- delight in it, you think? He's thrilled by the end of the movie. Part of me. I, he's I loving feel, it. I feel part like he's me, drawn to doing the things at the beginning of it, though. I think part of me feels like the Joker starts off by showing you the system is failing him Yeah, because he's trying to get that help with his therapist or whatever the whole deal mm-hmm. was with that. And then... I mean, obviously, he's got a lot going on because, like, the fake girlfriend, yeah. all these fake scenarios. There's so much uh, salami on the sandwich in that There's movie. a it's lot. Crazy. I mean, he fires, like, too many bullets in the gun, <laughs> and that's, like, Phillips' way of hinting at he's not all there. You yeah. know, he has a revolver with six shots, and he fires, like, you know, eight or some shit. Mm. Like, he fires too many. The well, m- and the rich guys, he's drawn to doing that. Because, yeah. like, kind of the... If you watch... When I watch Joker, the message I get away that Todd Phillips is saying mm-hmm. is, if we don't help mentally ill people they will all turn into supervillains <laughs> and attempt to kill us all i don't that know that's kind of the point of that the story that movie is that's making that's what i got i mean <laughs> that is what he's saying with that movie well jeff uh, uh, <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm about to almost agree with that. Like <laughs> now, with like, how the country's running right now, Jeff, I almost think that we might be on point with something like, right there. I, which I think, to me, it's kind of insulting to people with mental issues. Well, no, it's not the people with mental issues that I think of the yeah. folks with mental issues that might ruin yeah. this country. <laughs> I yes, I would. There are crazy people yes. who, if we don't get them help, are going to ruin this country. Yes. Jeff, like that is true. <laughs> but that, that is, is true. A very different thing. Than right? What no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, and you know, like I don't even jo- have to verbalize that I'm talking about a different yeah. group of people. And Joker, it's Mitch like McConnell. It's it, the <laughs> Joker is saying if if we don't get this poor man with schizophrenia help, he will murder Batman's parents. <laughs> I, get, I, get, like, I, I think that's Wait where like like second. the mental illness part is where I, there might be like a, a thread of like disconnect yeah. only only because like like other than like him like being like you know a, heavily abused and having problems yeah. and then having like a, that laughing thing mm-hmm. like he doesn't have schizophrenia he has something he has something because he's imagining an entire relationship with a yeah. woman he's imagining too many shots in a gun He's making this weird threaded line where he is, you know, cause b- based on like his mom because he's like Thomas Wayne's son, you know, stuff like that. The- to me, I always thought that he he didn't 
he didn't have like a debilitating mental illness. I I got that, but maybe I'm wrong. They initially could... hinted at him and that girl not being a yeah. couple. Mm. Well, here's my thing: if that if he doesn't have a debilitating mental illness, and he only has like a mild mental illness, then the movie is now saying if we don't get people with some issues help, they're well, gonna turn into supervillains. I mean, I, I I'm think, one I bad think day it, away. It, it's very know? stuck on the whole like if people with mental. Yeah. I think it's just like society is held by such a small thread of peace and order and all it takes is the belief of one person Mm -hmm. you know doing the opposite that could tip it on its side because even that was the fan theory of the joker movie was that the one we saw isn't the joker that we know he's the one that inspires the the real joker right yeah yeah. and 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 so i guess that's kind of where like my thought was in like the thread of the movie i'm not saying like i uh, agree with the points it's making i'm saying like the whole revolution starts with them thinking the Joker killed these rich guys to make a point, and yeah. he didn't. And I think what the point that I interpreted from the movie is that this whole peace and order that we're, mirage that we're veiled that we have is like by such a small thread that mm-hmm. all it takes, when, when the balances are so unscaled, mm-hmm. that all it takes is one tiny little thing Leveling. that people can attach mm-hmm. like meaning behind. All you got to do is shoot Robert De Niro and you're set. Well, I mean, it, it was the rich guys to the guys in, in the, the subway yeah. that did it. But him shooting Robert De Niro was like that was the f- complete flip of the movie, where it's like, okay, but wait a minute. Now it's not like a now it's not a movement. It's about, like nobody can hurt me now because I'm the Joker. And it's well, like, okay. it's like it's it's no longer about eating r- the rich. It's just yeah. about causing chaos, and that's where yeah. the whole thread about the movie kind of turns upside down. A T- little Todd's bit. very sloppy. Is my issue with him. Mm. And do you um, think Darren's sloppy in the whale? I think Darren is sloppy. Darren is not typically sloppy, but I do think he is sloppy in the whale. Interesting. Um, to bring us back to the whale, we could do a corner on Joker, but we never will. No. Um, because <laughs> I... All right, I'm going to say something really crazy. It's okay. I think the first Joker is, like, terrible. It's, like, a very bad movie that I never want to rewatch again. I kind of think Joker 2 sounds good. <laughs> like, because like, it's a musical? They're telling me this is a movie that is a musical mostly in the head of the Joker with Lady Gaga, notorious actress known for her subtlety. Um, subtlety. Um, playing Harley Quinn. I'm like, that kind of sounds what I want the Joker movie to be. Is kind of just this absolutely insane drug trip of the Joker dancing around shooting people. I was going to say, I think I read it mostly takes place in Arkham Asylum too. I'm like, that kind of sounds good. Mm, I don't yeah. think it will be, but it kind of sounds good. I'd see that. Uh, so after he eats the fried chicken. Yes. Um, no, I'm not going to do it. Again. <laughs> it's okay if you want to. No, I'm not going to. can. Um, he gets... Um, well, because it's Tuesday now, right? Because this this movie takes place within a week. Yeah, and he is. What are you What are you doing? Oh. Sorry, I just want. That was not what I was trying to bring up. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Oh my God! Oh. Struck! 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 I just turned. I just turned the volume down. I noticed. Uh, okay. So at any rate, you gotta let me know. I'm not. I'm gonna do. I'm just turning it back up. Okay. 
what happens on Tuesday? I, I I'm a little I lost. believe what happens is he wakes up. I don't know if it's on Tuesday. It might be Monday night or whatever. But he wakes up and she's gone, and that's when he goes to bed, right? That's when you yeah, see him go lay down right. for the first time. Yeah, because that's when we see him take his shirt off and he's walking. Yeah. He's the... fucking, and that's the first time he really gets up, right? Because he's yeah. huge. We see that a little bit in the very beginning right. when uh, Liz is helping him, mm-hmm. but that's the first time we see him with his like shirt off and like walking across mm-hmm. the hall, getting into bed and see him like fully splayed out. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's like the full display of him. Feels like eight feet. Like he just feels insanely tall. Yeah, that's up. what. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like they they definitely heightened his mm-hmm. stance like greatly. But then this. he's he's essentially quoting that essay again about Moby Dick. Yeah. Emphasizing the, you know, the most boring parts about the whale and he sits in bed and he gets like the little hand thing to turn the light off. Yeah. Drinks the, what I'm for sure is a flat diet Pepsi. That's just been opened by the bed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Cause he drank that. Cause I was trying to find like funny little tidbits to write. And I'm like, there's really not a lot to put down. And he drinks that diet Pepsi. I'm like, bam, that's one that's flat as hell. Yeah, I know well, it. The funny tidbit is it's the, the, can I get two big Macs and a diet Coke? The diet. It's, when, it's when does he, you're talking about in real life, in real life. Like okay. it, it, it's kind of doing that here. It's like, he's drinking mm-hmm. a diet Coke. Yeah. Um, right. Which I don't mean to make super fun of, but it is, it's kind of funny. Um, I love Diet Pepsi. My grandfather did that. He would just have like a, a whole two liter of Diet Coke just as his bottle. <laughs> <laughs> just like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, aw. <laughs> uh, I, I think Tuesday. Do you want to meet Ellie? Yeah. Um, he, call, he he knows he doesn't have long to live. Yeah. Because um, so, that's when he does like the internet research stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he calls his daughter Ellie, played by Sadie Sink. Because prior to that, he's leaning on the kitchen sink, looking through essays, and he's opening up. This part I was I was a little bumped by because he opens one drawer and there's like fruity granola bars, mm-hmm. and it's clearly like the healthy yeah. drawer. Mm-hmm. And then he opens up the other one; and it's obviously his snack drawer. Yeah, and he doesn't spend any time looking at the healthy drawer at all. So that's not even the choice in the scene. The choice is whether he's going to eat up three musketeers or not. And he starts off, "No, I'm not," and he and says, you- "Yes." Well, because he's looking everything up, and they're essentially like, you're you gonna, need help, you're gonna call 911. So then he start his response is to then stuff his face more. Mm-hmm. And then he decides, wait, no, I'm not going to do this. He puts it away, and then the next scene is when we get Ellie, mm-hmm. um, Sadie Sink. So, which, like, this movie won the Oscar for Best Hair and Makeup, and I know it did that because of the prosthetics. Yes. I do have to say, like, what was the zoom call like with the head of hair and makeup and when they got when they finished three hours of the three and a half hour meeting yeah worth out of the three and a half hour meeting three hours was based on the prosthetic suit yeah and 30 minutes was spent on the rest of the characters yeah yeah sadie sink got like two minutes and it was goth yeah teenager that's what her look is like the entire movie it was like sadie just wear whatever clothes you got a sad girl sad girl goth vibes Mm. hates everybody I also want to say um, I do like Sadie Sink as an actress. She's good in the seasons of Stranger Things that I watched. Mm-hmm. I want to say this um, as I am going to be very negative oh about her my. performance here. This is the worst motherfucker. Uh, if <laughs> folks listen, I'm not a I'm not a T Swifty. I'm not, but you should go watch uh, the all too well extended music video because Sadie Sink plays the younger version of Taylor Swift, and she's oh. really good in it. And I even yeah. though it's a music video, she's really good in it. Okay. And Dylan O'Brien plays the Jake Gyllenhaal figure in that. Because <laughs> All Too Well is about uh, Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's funny. 
I'm not a T Swifty, but it is funny though. <laughs> but you've got a lot of information about this. Yeah, you've got some knowledge. <laughs> Um, You say I'm not a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. (laughs) Uh, Basically, the structure of day two is Ellie shows up. She's like, I don't even know why I'm here. And he's like, because I wanted to see you. And she's like, great. And then she's like, I'm not staying. And she leaves. And she's getting ready to leave. And he's like, I'll pay you. (laughs) And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, I got $120,000. I'll give it to you if you just hang out with me and let me work with you on your essays. Now, how many of you immediately after hearing that number were like, whoa, yeah, I was what? like, wait a second. And then he's he's got money. It it does make sense when he says it. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like, yeah, I don't pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Like I pay for rent food, and food. Or, yeah, rent and food, internet. And internet. And I, that's it. I don't go out. I don't yeah. do anything else. Mm-hmm. So, doesn't drive. So. And she has the whole thing of like, well, you're just going to rewrite my essays for me. And he's like, well, Ellie, like, I, I think it would, I, re- I want to know that you yeah. gained something I from this. I want you to get something out of this. So, yeah. you know, I like, I'm going to give you some notes and rewrite some stuff. And she's like, no, you're right. And then she just scrolls TikTok or whatever it is. It's like a. It seems like a very like caricature performance. It is. She's very much overacting, and I think Ty Simpkins is underacting. And mm-hmm. then the scenes with them together are just very funny. Yeah, I um, don't disagree. I I say though, like I I feel like I've met a Sadie Sink. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I know who that girl is. I have definitely met a Sadie Sink in the I've whale in real a life. A Sadie Sink type, yes. Um, full blown, full blown. Ellie, Sadie, saying, mm-hmm. I, I have met and know. They they are real. I believe that they're real. Now, I went to okay, high school with one. But just because, like, just because a performance is true to the caricature, does it take away any of the sin that it's just a caricature? No. Right. So that's why, like, I don't fully yeah. disagree. Like, I do think it's like it's very one note. As as as, have tr- you met an Italian father? They're all caricatures, but it doesn't mean when you watch a movie, he's like, "Hey, Gabagool, how you yeah. doing?" That doesn't make it any better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't knock it on her performance. I knock it on the writing and directing. I think I think it's more so that like I think she was kind of told to just do one note. Yeah, and there are there are opportunities when she could have like done something a little yeah. bit different. Maybe put in a new tone. The the ultimate performance I'll always use for one note. Um, an actor giving a one note, given a one note script and turning into a three dimensional character. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Mission Impossible, Impossible t- three. Three. Yeah. Is sorry. Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman <laughs> is maybe one of the like worst. He's like a very poorly written villain in Mission Impossible three. Mm-hmm. His like his name's Owen Davian and he's a arms dealer, and that is all that there is to his character. And Philip Seymour Hoffman just comes in as like. I'm going to find her. I'm going to hurt her. No, <laughs> it's, like no. this... it's very much just like like he, the airplane sequence yeah. is when you get it the most. Well, that's, that's the line I was Yeah, they, they, they kidnap. Have you seen Mission Impossible 3? They kidnap this arms dealer, and mm-hmm. then it's Tom Cruise, prime Tom Cruise, I will say. He's looking good. 2003, or two, whatever movie. What 2006. Year? 2006, Tom Cruise. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> because he is just like, like he, they got they got Philip Seymour Hoffman strapped, which Philip Seymour Hoffman hasn't aged since Twister, mm-hmm. you know, until he died, obviously. But yeah. like he's looked the exact same for that stretch of years. Yeah. Um, they're immediately questioned about this doomsday device or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the rabbit's foot? It's like, what's your name? Like just got that annoying tone behind yeah. it. It's like, you have a wife. I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. Like I was like, <laughs> it's this incredible performance out yeah. of a one out of a like the most thinly sketched character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. And meanwhile, Sadie Sink is delivering a thinly sketched performance to a thinly sketched character. 
And she's very young. I don't want to fully knock it on her. I don't think it's a performance. I think it's the writing and directing. It's the writing and directing, but she could have brought more to it. I think if she, I think if there was an opportunity for her, mm-hmm. and if she failed at that, then I would say she. But had there's a bad always an opportunity. She could have found something. Uh, I'll get. I'll give her a little bit of grace at her age, but I will also say, like, I don't see any. Where in the script do you think there's a moment when she can like turn a new? She emotional can. Lead? She can better help us understand why she is the way that she is. Because what the movie gives us is she doesn't have a great relationship with her daughter. She doesn't have friends. And her Facebook account is her posting pictures of dead dogs. And her dad. Okay, well, this is a really <laughs> crazy character. Why? Give me something in her perform in your performance. Well, because she mentions how her mom really isn't yeah, a part present. of her shit either, right? Because she's like, well, mom drinks. Her mom takes all yeah. these pills, blah, 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 blah. My, my, only, my only point, and I'm, again, I'm not saying I totally disagree. Yeah. I'm just, and I would pose this for the question for the audience, and I'd pose this question for everybody. It's like, give me a line that she can perform differently that gives us a new emotional leaf. I don't think there is yeah. a line. I think the entire thing was written and directed in mm. one note. The because how how can she say you disgust me? But yeah. if she says it in a different like performance mm-hmm. note, that's not broody evil teenager. That's my only point. You disgust me, well, right? <laughs> there, like, there's a way, and I don't know if I can figure it out. Like for myself, I'm not an actor. No, I mm-hmm. get it, and I yeah, yeah, and I might be wrong. People will probably point paint a scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone out there will be like the scene with her and Ty Simpkins. The same, take the same lines, take the same blocking. Yeah. Sh- there's a different way to perform yeah. that and give us a new leaf. I, when when everybody's been talking about how they feel about, that's the only like scene where I'm not. That's the part that makes me like mm-hmm. iffy for her performance is the one between her and when she meets Thomas yeah. for the first time. That's take a, take a hit of this scene. <laughs> take a hit of this. Do this. Yeah, Dude, I'll call the cops and say you tried to rape me. You know, blah 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 blah. And it's like because like sensibly her, you know, personality. Um, is because she is trying to deny an inner feeling and an inner empathy. Yeah. Um, she's something of like an audience surrogate in that way, in the weird way that we talked about earlier. Yes. Um, and so I think there's a way she could play that element, that this is a performance she's giving. But we never see underneath that performance. We never get a hint until the very end of the movie that she's just performing. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, this person is just like a person. She posts a picture of her dad on Facebook and says there will be a grease fire in hell when he burns. I was like, that's actually, that was kind of fire. Yeah. <laughs> like he says, she is amazing. She has <laughs> that was an good. incredible way with the She words. roasted his ass really and he's just I like. I took a picture of the screen. <laughs> I just think that, I, and I'm not totally easing it off of her plate. I do think. There's some performance problems, but I think a large chunk of it's writing directing. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's my, I would agree. That's my only opinion on it. I I think it's a fifty fifty, you know, even, uh, you know, like Hayden Christensen. Yeah. I bet he's actually a pretty good actor. He is, but you can't act the episode two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't put any yeah. like twist on those. Like I like sand. You can't put a different emphasis on that line to make it digestible. Yeah, that's why I think mm-hmm. you know that's where I kind of mm-hmm. feel with Sadie Singh's mm-hmm. character. In my opinion, yeah. other people, I I don't dismiss other people's opinions so on that. I, I feel mean. that. Uh, so she, they make their deal, and then the rest of the movie kind of just bounces between those three characters, kind of in a sequence. It's yes, like we get a scene with Liz, we get a scene with Ellie, we get a scene with Thomas. 
We go back to the, oh, we get see, we get a brief moment with the pizza guy, and then we loop back to the beginning. We go through him again over the next three days. I think the pizza guy is supposed to be like the break, right? The okay, he this is kind kinda, of the act break, yeah. He, well, because you know, it's like, hey, he's like, oh, oh, money's in the mailbox, yeah, yeah. My name's Dan, by the way. I still really clock that. That yeah, the pizza delivery guy is the act breaks in the yeah. movie. <laughs> it's like it's like the nice little like, okay. I can catch my breath while while Dan's just trying to know more about this guy he's been delivering pizzas to apparently every day. Yeah. Mm. I think this is a perfect mo- yes, moment. So let's do another. Uh, so let's tune in with Dave Manzalolo, oh. uh, former guest of the show. Let's see what he thought about oh, the whale. Oh, Dave. That's what we got. Thank you, Dave. I you know what, Dave? I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have liked to hear more about. I like. I would like to have heard more uh, description because I bet Dave had some. Yeah. I wonder if he if he had any other opinions, but you I had I me at it. the ah, but the ah, it was that's, it was that's the <laughs> <laughs> it was the lead up. It was the lead up for me. Truthfully. I was waiting for like four scores and three hours ago. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should get another one in. Just you want to? We only have two more. Oh, so we should. Yeah. We gotta. We should. Them sa- out. We should save it. We should save it. You guys keep talking. I gotta pee again. Oh my goodness! Damn, man! It's it's the buy boost. It's running right <laughs> I was through. Say, if, if buy boosted <laughs> your bladder. Yeah, it really did. For folks in the audience, I've been clean off a of Red Bull for three and a half. Ladies weeks. and it's gentlemen, crazy. thank you, thank you. I didn't um, do that deliberately to get applause. <laughs> mm. Um, but yeah, we just basically bounced through the three characters for the next three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mostly, I feel like, addressed a lot of the plot points. So mm-hmm. I don't want to spend too much time like going through everything. What, all what, over yeah, again. what they're all doing. Mm-hmm. But basically, like um, Ty Simpkins continues to come and preach um, the gospel to Charlie. Um, and Charlie, I actually like the scene where he's just like, he's like "Have you ever him. read the Bible?" And Charlie's like. I found it devastating. <laughs> He's like, God creates us in seven days, sentences us to a thousand years of killing each other, right. and then takes 144,000 people to heaven and sends the other seven million to hell. <laughs> right. I like that. That's funny. Mm-hmm. And Tom and Ty Simmons is like, uh, I don't really have a response to that. Uh, checkmate. Like, I found it devastating. <laughs> That's the um, worst piece of shit yeah. I've ever read in my <laughs> entire life. He said it's the most like emotional, which like I always find a fun read, like reading the Bible as essentially like an epic piece of like literature. Mm-hmm. That's always an interesting way that I like to approach like those stories. It's like, it's like reading of, the Odyssey or something like yeah, that. It's like, it's a really interesting like story that's being told in that book mm-hmm. regardless of your thoughts on the religious aspect of it yeah it's just christian mythology yeah what? uh we're saying that the bi like there's the scene where time and him are talking about the bible and it's like i kind of like approaching the bible as like this epic piece of literature because it's kind of interesting just to like read it as a as like literature yeah um right but that that's basically the extent of that scene with oh Wait, where he steals the Bible and comes we're, back with it? We, or? What he was saying is that we've kind of almost covered everything that happens after this, is, and he didn't want to spend more time just going by day by day by day. Yeah, I want to emphasize that when we revisit his class. Yes. Maybe his class is like the act break. I feel like that's another one because yeah. you really... This is an eight-act 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, because you have you have the boring bits, you have the whale. Yeah. And then you have the pizza guy who's apparently just really interested in Charlie's life. Yeah. And then you have his day job or his every other day job. Yeah, I just I feel like the first class bit is just him being your standard old English teacher mm-hmm. being like, "Listen, guys, like trust me on this. You want to try to, you know, write something and uh, you know, they're, we're going to have papers due next week or whatever." And the second one, he's adding a little bit more flavor of like, "Hey, like write something honest, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you're just describing." And that's what he's telling Elliot on those things. So it's like, "But tell me how you feel. Tell me like a truth about it." Mhm. And that's all of that is kind of like progress later in the movie when eventually he sends out that like email to the class be like, fuck, fuck the this. essay, fuck the class, fuck college, just write something honest. And it's interesting. I just I, not that I think it Lance sticks the landing on this point, but I think there's a build up to a point here where he where we see his frustrations the most are with his class, with his like kind of like students who he perceives as just giving in phony work. Whereas where we see him the most like kind of like cheerful and happy is being berated by Sadie Sink, who's giving him the most guttural, blunt, honest honesty about it's everything beautiful well, cause you right that's what yeah. i mean it's like it's almost overtly well because like you find out that this essay that he keeps reading whenever he's having like a heart attack or whatever is going on is something she wrote four years ago or some age it was like it was like it was when like, she was eight or, or some like shit that. yeah but you know so he's like this is it's a great description or whatever so when she's assaulting him she's using these different words i guess that he's just like this is real He's, he's a teacher that wants you to write real emotion. Yeah. Right? Because even in his thing, he's like, I'm tired of just, don't just write to write it. Write to feel it or whatever. Yeah, something And like then that. even when he's reading everybody's responses, you know, the one the one that always sticks with me was, I got to accept the fact that my life's not going to be very exciting. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I heard that this morning. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like... <laughs> My favorite was uh, my parents really want me to be a radiologist, and to be quite frank, I don't know what a radiologist <laughs> is. <laughs> and how how he reads that, it's like that's very good. <laughs> I like that. That was good. That shit. is funny. Yeah. Um, um, did you guys already talk about the Sadie Sink Ty Simpkin scene? We like touched it, and I said, "Don't no, want to no touch more it." Of this. <laughs> well, well, what is there to say? Well, I, yeah, it it there there's like five different points that this scene could be making. Yeah. But in my opinion, it doesn't stick the landing on any of them. Well, because yeah. that's initially like when him and her seem to be making progress, right? Because she goes to make him a sandwich and she's like, I'm not going to put mayo on it. I'm going to use turkey instead of whatever. That's all you're getting. Right. And then he's talking to her and she's like, like drilling the knife into his. Yeah, because um, any compliment she gets, she gets like a visceral reaction to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Charlie's trying to break down. Because I think one of my biggest things is, and I think even either it was either Taylor or somebody else who mentioned it, that she is berating him, but then he just responds with kindness of like, you're so smart, you're so amazing, mm-hmm. you're a great person. And and when, when we get the great scene with him and uh, Mary... And she's like, you have to realize, like, she's awful. And he's like, she's not awful. She's not evil. She's not any of these things. Like, I think he just knows that, like, he's been called all these things all his life mm-hmm. that 
all it really take all it would have taken for him is just like one person like Alan, his yeah. lover, who gave him that sort of semblance of love and appreciation that he's trying to kind of put pass that on. back pass on to Ellie. Well, I think yeah. that's the thing that he said his name's Taylor, right? That Taylor said that was the first one we listened to. Yes, the second maybe, one. Yeah. Um. Well, because he, he was like, I don't know why Charlie's like whatever, like just letting it happen. I'm like, well, that's his kid, right? And I've known many kids that are just the most royal pieces of shit. Yeah. Like doing whatever the fuck. And the parents are like, well, that's our child. I can't, I can't tell this kid to fuck off or eat my ass or whatever, you know? You can. I mean, you can. (laughs) You absolutely can. But some parents can't do that. Right. Yeah. And I think he doesn't want to because he, A, has no moral standing to Mm -hmm. because he hasn't been a father for her. But B, knows that that's not what she needs. She doesn't need, she, she needs like, She's, she needs what she's been missing, which is like that nurturing father mm-hmm. figure. And so I, I don't, it doesn't bump me as much as it might bump other people that he just responds to her over one note monotone aggression Yeah, with kindness. I kind of buy into it personally. I buy into his reaction. Um, the thing is like for him to be seeing that in her, I think the audience also has to be seeing that in her. We have to be seeing like some semblance of... Mm. There's a kind person behind that. We have to be seeing this honesty that he is seeing. And like Brennan is giving a powerhouse performance. And so I'm kind of like, well, I, I guess like she's being honest, but there's nothing in her performance that leads me to be like, yeah, she's probably a better person underneath. I agree with that. And I also agree with Fraser's performance that leads us to yeah. almost try to buy it. Yeah. Because it's is his response is to be like, see, that's a very that's a very oh, and she says like Walt Whitman's like a fucking gay dude who's yeah. trying to whatever not overrated nineteenth overrated nineteenth century, 19th century. he and he's like that's an honest like yeah, take. that's a real take and his performance in that line is so good that I'm just like yeah that is an honest good take like I I do kind of buy into mm-hmm. that whether that hurts the movie because you don't buy it off of Sadie Sink's performance is valid. Yeah. I personally have enough of it to, I, I buy Fraser's performance enough to buy it for myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I feel like a lot of people that really like this movie for whatever reason, relate to it on some personal level, right? You know, a Sadie Sink, you've gone through some type of thing that makes you feel like you're Charlie in that situation, yeah. you know? So it's like, well, yeah, you know, you're trying to help this person out. They really haven't been the best to you, but you're like, I see what other people don't want to see or, or whatever. You're just somebody that needs help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Someone to be like, put the, put the pen down, honey. Yeah. Don't smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> don't put ambient in my sandwich. <laughs> That's a wild thing that she does. Well, cause I was um, like, I remember watching it and I was like, why the fuck did he just randomly fall asleep? Like your daughter's there. And then when Thomas gets her, she's like, yeah, I put am- like three things of ambient. In. I was like, oh shit. That's <laughs> yeah, a very insane thing to do. Honestly, this whole movie, I thought it was going to end with her killing him. <laughs> I kind of, when I first saw, saw it in theaters, I was when, starting to think that too. at first when she was like dr- clawing the knife into his like yeah. counter, I was like, she's going to kill this dude. So but, yeah. yeah, I was, I was feeling that too. So we then basically we get the finale to Thomas's story, which is he comes in and he's like, um, my parents are going to take me back. 
Well, did, did you guys talk about Mary coming in with Sadie? Not Sadie? yet. I think that happens before, that happens first. and it's the most. I think it's the most powerful. Scene Let me movie. finish up this this Thomas. He really story story so we don't have Thomas. to talk about, <laughs> okay. about him again. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. As fair. he shows up, he's like, "My parents are going to take me back, thanks to your daughter and you inspiring me to call them." Um, and he's like, "That's great." <laughs> and then Tyson's like, "Can I preach to you?" And Charles like, "Sure, no. not really." And um, then he's like. You know I'm gay, right? And he's like, "Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> you're you're gonna go to hell." Well, right, because he when he's doing the whole smoke and shweed yeah. with Ellie, he goes into his partner's room yeah. that's been like cocooned. Yeah. No one comes in. No one, you know. And he's comes like, out. "Yeah, I think Alan died because he's gay." And Charles like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Literally, he's yeah. he's like, "Alan had this passage highlighted that he was for you know the sins of the flesh versus his spirit and that's why he's in hell it was was interesting that we went through that whole scene with him and ellie of him breaking down his barriers to ellie but yet him not changing one bit yeah he gets out of a bad thing why do we need this character well let's get rid of him yeah let's cut him out of there i think that's a crisp 90 minute movie i think either replace him with someone better or put more time with liz yeah I think he's supposed to be like that weird religious output that Charlie and Alan threw away. Yeah. Obviously, because that keeps coming back. That keeps being like the because yeah. you needed a reason to find out that Liz's brother is Alan, and that's why she's kind of been a part of Charlie's life and why he and Alan killed himself, killed himself essentially because of the church and they shut him out. Yeah. So I feel like that he's just kind of the. I mean, yeah. it's not the best way to do it, but he is like yeah. the reasoning to be like. To bring all of this emotion back up. Yeah, as you say it, like you need that religious outlet factor of the piece, but I I, I can't argue that like <laughs> Ty Simpkins is the best person. I'm not I'm not personification I'm just, yeah. of that. I'm just saying that's how it came that's, across to me. Yeah. I'm not like the Ty Simpkins deserves best supporting actor or no. anything. Don't get me wrong. Right, no. Uh so Sir, you want to talk about Mary, right? The wife? Yeah. What so, because this is after Sadie Sink and uh, Ty Simpkins just get done with that whole dialogue scene in Alan's bedroom, and he walks out and she's there, and then there's a knock at the door, and then both Liz and Mary, which is um, Ellie's mom and Charlie's ex-wife, uh, so she walks in, sees. Um, sees Ellie and sees uh, Thomas and immediately they, they kick Thomas out right away. Yeah. Get They're your like, bubblegum you, dumb dumb ass like, out of my apartment. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here. And then uh, they wake Fraser up and Fraser sees Mary and yeah. it was um, my wife. It was Liz who contacted Mary. Liz was is like has been like this anti do not talk to your daughter well, they make like, it sound like he legally cannot talk to her they do for yeah and then you find out that well no it was more so that she just won the full custody battle mm-hmm. and but then didn't want him involved, any, involved in parenting of mm-hmm. any kind so then Liz then they they're all talking down to Ellie about like you fucking drugged him <laughs> and it's like I did I knew it wasn't gonna kill him I only put three I in only put sandwich. like three in there <laughs> what and and then they're like get the like you get the fuck out of here too and so then Sadie Sink leaves and then that's when oh or wait and then Mary's like how much money is he paying you and then Liz is like he doesn't have any money Mary's like oh so she doesn't know and then it comes out where he actually has like one hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars in the bank. Liz and Charlie have that little debacle. Honestly, like, that was the only point in the movie. I was like, Charlie, you son of a bitch. 
because well, she's like, my truck literally broke down in the winter, well, and I walked. Well, he says he would have like, helped with that if well, it was an emergency. Well, because she's like, I only thought it was seven hundred dollars, and you know what I'm saying? Though? Yeah, it's yeah. the only part. I'm not like fuck Charlie. I'm not on that train. It's just, that's the only part. I'm like, dude. She's getting your groceries. She's walking in the snow. She's taking care of you. She probably kept him alive for an extra three years, if that. For you all know. we know. Um. So, and then Liz storms out, and that is not the last time we see Liz. No, she comes back one more time after he does the last broadcast. Right. Yes. And so, um, then it's just uh, Charlie and Mary. And they kind of have their heart to heart scene where Mary is very much like Ellie is a demon from the nine circles of hell. Charlie's like, no, she's not. Um, maybe you're just a shitty mom. <laughs> he, doesn't, <laughs> you know, he doesn't say that outright, but it kind of gets brought up. It's like, I didn't want you to see her because I thought this would be a reflection on me mm. as a parent. And he's like, no, of course not. And but then it's like, well, but then why are you here trying to do all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And that's when it kind of comes out. It's like, I just I want to make sure there's that's when he delivers on like, I, I, I want the one I want to know that there's one thing in my life I did right. Yeah, that's the hardest line in that yeah. movie. And yeah. he delivers it very well. And he delivers it very well. And then she leaves. And then that's when he goes on his binge, eating, goes on which his we talked about binge eating, uh, which Taylor very eloquently put it. Yes. <laughs> He's putting like mayo on or ranch. Yeah, he's putting ranch on a peach. Uh, it's great. I've done it. I mean, yeah, I have too. Uh, I will not. I'm not a big ranch fan. I'm not, I'm I not did a big it once. ranch. Because um, um, he does that. Thomas shows up. That's the last Thomas scene. And then basically, it's the, we wakes up on the Friday. He talks to all of his students and tells them he got fired. Yeah. Essentially, he put like you know fuck all this blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Which we but. which I think we kind of talked about already. Mm-hmm. Was all yeah. those addresses. And then he turns his webcam on for the first time. Yeah. Shows them what he looks like and everyone. It, it's very weird. Because, I like, liked that part. He shows them what he looks like. And he and moves then he goes. The... <laughs> I was like, can you imagine if you forgot to put pants on that morning or some shit? I'm like, well, you just flash yeah. your whole glass. He, he, he is just like he's. He's just he's showing them all of him. Yes, I think yeah, I think that's him finally coming to terms with this is who I am, or this is like yeah. this is the end of the road. Yeah, in case you wanted to know, this, this is, is what I look I, like, fuckers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie out, and then just tosses the laptop, all the shit, and it just breaks and it hits the fridge. We should listen to the second last one. I feel like I think we're getting to yeah. That point. Let's hear. Let's listen to the second to last one. This is uh, from Francis Hutchison. Oh my gosh! As a video. Hello, Stuart. Um, leaving a soccer game after. Why is she just addressing and I'm me? I'm sending this video after being harassed by Jefferson uh, for many a day for forgetting to send this in. But uh, my thoughts on the whale. Um, I watched it on an airplane. Uh, went to Italy and I watched four movies. I watched The Fablemans, Take It to Paradise. Um, she said, and The Whale. The Whale was the second of those films in which I viewed in one time frame and i'll be honest i i liked it i thought it was pretty nice but it it just didn't hit the way i thought that it would to be honest you know like i thought brian fraser was good but i in terms of like characters i wasn't particularly compelled by them i i don't really even know how to phrase this i just thought that there wasn't much character development and like shut off my tape if you completely disagree jeff would be really funny if you totally like 
Well, I was oh god, now I gotta find the point. You disagree, <laughs> Jeff? Would be really funny if you totally like cut out my thing there. Um, but do your yeah, editing Jeff, as well. Yeah, that was really funny. It was and funny. Way to go, Jeff. I I just thought that the characters didn't develop very much as I thought they could. Like Sadie Sink's character, I just kind of consistent. And the ending, I I thought it was goofy. I thought it was goofy how he floated off the ground. I thought that was straight out of Cornville, USA. And overall, I think it was well executed for what it was, but I don't think what it was is what it could have been, if that makes sense. It didn't necessarily feel um, like it was done to justice, the story or the sort of lifestyle it's depicting, but that's just one kid's opinion, so. Cheers, Stuart. I have to ask Jeff, how did you text all these people? Um, can you send your thoughts? I told them all I was going to surprise you with this. You're going to surprise me with this. Yes. So that's why it's addressed to that's me. That's why she addressed it to you. Okay. Mm. Um, did you tell them that I really like this movie? No, I did not tell anyone that. You didn't tell anyone my thoughts? I just told people that we were looking. I'm surprising you with people's thoughts on The Whale because it's a big episode. I know okay. when we were texting trying to find out a time for me, you're like, don't worry. We will find a way to get your opinion out there. Yeah. If if you were unable to do this episode, I was just going to include you in this. Hell yeah. Um, I actually liked the movie. I thought it was very well put together. <laughs> <laughs> well, Francis, thank you for putting in your opinion. I, I, thank res- you, Francis. I, I respect your opinion on this. I do think that I have to disagree with your analysis the most out of everybody we've heard that I, I think that everybody, every single character develops in this movie. Now they may not develop organically. They may not develop in the most graceful way, mm-hmm. but Thomas does have like a new outlet that he's going to be doing there's no development in performance he picks up drugs again. there's no development in performance but (laughs) thomas starts doing drugs again that's growth baby and there's (laughs) and there's development in ellie but i i agree that you know a lot of the performances felt like one single note Mm -hmm. but i i just think it's factually untrue that no one develops in this movie my only my only 10 cents about that opinion because i don't know them that well so i can't really get away with saying whatever i want is try watching it not on a plane I I am with her in this. Mm. I agree with Francis in that the character I don't feel development from these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I Brendan <laughs> develops like Sadie Sink's development is in her final twenty seconds of screen time. That's still development. And yeah, but like for an hour and fifty seven minute movie, there's a lot of movies where a character is the I, exact same until the very very. End. I think I'm fine with her not expressing the emotion that's what you want was more like emotion that she was having at the end i want to understand her better as a character and feel her growth through the course of the movie instead of it just all being like ratcheted i I think the part where that affects it is because it's only in a week time frame so she hasn't seen her dad since she was eight years old Mm -hmm. so she comes in and she's like fuck you fuck you you piece of shit you you whale you monster (laughs) but then essentially she finds out on friday the last day He's dying. Yeah. You don't have this chance anymore. You don't get this opportunity yeah. to be like, fuck you, dad, when you this whole time have probably been missing having that father figure mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. That's that's why it, like her whole not showing a growth or emotional connection anymore, minus like when he's complimenting her and she's like, mm-hmm, fuck you. Yeah. That's where it doesn't bother me because it's like you had what you thought was a longer time frame. Mm-hmm. And then he's, she, you know, that's when we see uh, Liz for the last time where she's like, yeah, he's dying. 
Like this is it. Yeah. Finito. Yeah. And then and then Sadie Sink's character is like, oh fuck. Yeah, I gotta do it all now. You know. Like that makes sense, but is that good drama? I think Aronofsky is more. Comp- I th- I think every single Aronofsky I've I've watched, it's more set on the what happens in real life versus drama, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happens more often. I I think from a movie standpoint, where you want a growth and everything, it doesn't do well. So that's why some mm-hmm. people don't like it because you don't get like the beginning, the middle, and the end. You know, you get you get this character on Monday whose life is falling apart. And it continuously seems to just keep getting worse and worse until Friday when it's like the end. Yeah. And yeah. that's where the child's like, I'm not going to see my dad after this. You, you know? want the eight minute scene where Oscar Schindler breaks down and says, I could have saved one well, more. Not person. even that, because that is what you get at the end um, with her. I want, you know, Oscar Schindler having an emotional arc through the movie. I don't want to watch 90 minutes of a boring ass movie to get 20 minutes of emotional payoff. <laughs> nah. I don't. I don't. I don't feel an, agree to disagree. I don't feel That's any interest. I mean, that. again, I I understand. I yeah. understand where you're coming from. Just to me, it makes sense because mm-hmm. of the time frame. And I don't watch a lot. Are not. This is like the first Arnowski film that I've yeah. watched. You know. So to me, it's like this is just life. This is how life happens. You know. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like a BoJack Horseman where Charlie keeps doing things to fuck himself yeah. over. And it's like, oh man, why does life suck? It's this guy's life is falling apart, and you're just witnessing it get worse yeah. and worse and worse till he's dead and. That's the only part of this movie I do not like. Is the ascending when he ascends to heaven? I got yeah. some thoughts on that. It's, one. <laughs> it's a bit goofy. I mean, well, we're basically at the end now. Yeah, um, we're on Friday. We're like, you know, he gets her to read the his her um, essay on Moby Dick um, for him, and then he stands up and starts walking towards her. He's gonna like face death head on. Anybody? anybody? That's good. And then him he, him getting up and walking to her is good. Yeah. And then he like she finishes and he goes <gasps> and he looks up and then his feet lift off the ground. Flash of white, flash of white. Darren Aronofsky. Well, no, it, it quickly get a shot of them on the beach. And then yeah, because it, it shows it shows oh, Frazier's right. feet because that was the one trip him and his ex wife were connecting over when she was laying on his chest listening to his heart. Mm. Yeah, because well, he's like, you remember when we went to the organ? Blah blah blah. blah. Oh. It's crazy because I actually watched a longer edit of the movie um, where he lifts off the ground. And then what? I tell you, this this just happens. He just starts oh floating, God. and he's flying <laughs> through the sky and just whipping around. It's crazy. Wait, is this a bit? This is a bit. Is, okay, this, I just wanted to be. I was like, wait a minute. No, that's that's what that's what Jeff's doing right now, guys. He's, I, he's I, doing okay. a bit. Just this morning when I was looking up the whale, I saw a tweet that says, "If they do a whale part two, they should do a scene of him doing this, and it's Neo flying in the Matrix." <laughs> it's just like imagining him taking off. And just... Would you call it Whale Two: The Blubbering? Uh, the Whale Two Reloaded. The Whale <laughs> Reloaded. <laughs> yeah. The Whale Revolute. No, be called the Whale Resurrections. Clearly. <laughs> He comes and it, back. it sucks that it's like the second to last image of the movie of him mm-hmm. like doing the whole Ugh! like that, that. That's the part where it's sucks. like you kept the stage play part because even Savannah's like that's probably when they shut all the lights off and you're like oh my god what a play like I get it as a play when you want to be like oh I've ascended but like but why not just like cut to black like he know? doesn't ascend he they just, why don't you yeah. just like cut to black part like, of me was also scared they were gonna have him fall everybody <laughs> thinks that everybody says that it's like I just thought they were he was gonna fall on. <laughs> I honestly was like, I was just, well, because he's walking to her and he stands there smiling. I'm like, this, there's no way this ends like this, right? Oh, uh, wait, what? <laughs> it ends even it's more goofy. bizarre. Francis, you were right. It's goofy. That's the, uh, 
That's the only I agree. part. The yeah. ending is goofy. Yeah. Uh, Just that one bit. Yeah. That's the end of the movie. That is the end. There of the is movie. no after credit sequence. I looked this morning. Just well, no, safe. he takes off and he's flying through the air. <laughs> and he <laughs> goes and he fights Agent Smith. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I'll th- do you want me to jump into the post text? Uh, we got one more clip to listen. We to. We got right? one more clip to listen to. I'm going to save it for a minute. Okay. Um, cool. Because it's Jeff's recording. How Jeff? <laughs> what if it was my recording? Bless you. Um, I know who it is. You know. I, I know one. <laughs> I know one voice I haven't heard from yet, who I know has a very powerful comment on this movie. Yeah. So I'm um, waiting to. <laughs> yeah, I. You can't hide it from me, Jeff. Yeah. Like it's um, one person so ever. This heard movie from. is filmed for a budget of three million dollars. Yeah. Three million dollars. It's very small. It makes fifty-four point eight million. It's oh, a yeah. incredibly successful movie for a twenty-four. Entirely driven by the Brendan Fraser comeback narrative. Um. Like this movie doesn't make that much money if it's not for the fact that he has like this comeback narrative around it. It I probably agree. makes like I agree five million. Yeah, I agree. With if that. like Russell Crowe was in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a whale. Um, <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, but this movie makes so much money, um, and then it gets like above average reviews. I'd say like it's Rotten Tomatoes average is sixty four percent. The average rating is six point six out of ten. Which makes sense. I feel yeah, it's like, like a th- it gets like an average three out of five. Review. Half the audience gets like really attached to this movie. And the other half, which I think is most of the half that we've kind of heard from. Other than Savannah, I think everybody else did not like this movie so yeah. far. Well, Savannah was positive, And then at minimum, I think Taylor and Francis were both like the movie kind of worked for me. Mm, yeah. So yeah. we got like two kindas, one enthusiastic, and three dislikes. To quote, ah... <laughs> <laughs> yeah um now what does cole have to say i'll, I'll tell you in a minute um so I, I, well, contingent fact on this if the strike is not resolved by the time he is asked if we can cut this out oh, so i'm giving you a cut point fair, 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 um, fair. okay I'm, I'm gonna type this in this we're two hours and 37 minutes in. oh my god this is a long episode yeah, um, that's the whale. Baby. Actually, should I finish with the post text before this, or should I just do it? Well, just do it before we do final yeah. thoughts. Okay. When we l- listen to him before okay. final thoughts. Um, all right, I'm gonna. F- I'll I'll do another thing okay. when we get to it. Um, but post text. So movie gets like decent reviews. Um, it does go on to get nominated for three Academy Awards. Um, Brendan gets nominated for best actor. Hong Chow gets nominated for best supporting actress, which I think is kind of a cool nomination. Well deserved. Yeah. Um, she had been like in the running for a bunch of Academy Awards over the past few years and just hadn't gotten nominated yet. I think she was almost nominated for, um, what's it called? Downsizing. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. where Matt Damon gets made oh really God, small. I still small. haven't seen that yeah. movie. Um, that's Alexander Payne, isn't it? It is. Is it a um, pain to watch? Not that much of a pain, but. Mm. I have not seen it, but I heard it's like, okay. It's okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then also gets nominated for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. It wins Best Actor and Hairstyling for Brendan and the um, Hair and Makeup Hair and Makeup team, which makes sense. Yes, yeah, it makes sense. It's like it's a good nomination. They're good wins, and I obviously like that's major for Brendan. That's major for this podcast. Yeah, that's like a big development. Yeah, point. it's great that he was in a great movie. It's great that he gave a very good performance <laughs> in a movie that's like okay occasionally. Um, <laughs> it's great that it's he a, was in a movie that moved a lot of people. Yes, I will. I will concede that. Good job, Stuart. Thank you. Um, you I, found the I don't get a lot of this. I don't get a lot of these. I know. Uh, I, no, I think this is a movie that I can't just fully do a bit about. Like you know, that we it's, have to have a discussion. 
it's really hard to do a bit on this one because again i usually I try to ways, find but... i mean you found them but like i even tried like i had a notes so app open because i love writing down the yeah. funny little tidbits and i i had like two i think i had obviously him jerking it in the beginning and then oh yeah and then the heart i had the asking for the bucket of chicken was like very heart-wrenching yeah yeah, and so I it's a it's Brendan's most successful movie in a while. It's a major like accomplishment for his career. And just factually, it's like it's this is weird because I know we only cover movies, so it seems yeah. this way. But if you include movies and TV, it's like it's not very gradual because mm-hmm. he gets like some popularity from Doom Patrol. And then you see his face again in No Sudden Move. And then it's this. And then it's this. So it's very kind of like a sharp rise. Yeah, it's, he gets cast in this, or he he does this, and then he gets cast in Batgirl and kills the Flying Moon very quickly after. Yeah, I think you see his face in Doom Patrol. Like they do flashbacks mm. and he's in it because there's uh, like a meme that went around with him and like I think ironically a bucket of chicken and beer. Mm. He's walking around like his rich person house or some shit. Gotcha. But Brendan's been very honest um, that this has opened up a lot of doors for him. He says this is the first time in his career he's been able to be selective about the scripts he's getting. Good. Like, Hell in the past, yeah. he's just taken what he's gotten. Yeah. But he's he said, specifically after this movie, like, he's been getting a lot of offers, and he can be choosy about what he wants to do. He, yeah. he wants to do something that compels him and interests him. Yeah. That's and great. thus far, the two that he's chosen were Batgirl, which is never coming out. Um, but we, but we'll be able to talk about it because we maybe have some inside scoops next week. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get there when we get there. Um, and then and Killer, Scorsese film. Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, which will be our final episode of the show until he comes out with another movie. God damn it. It's just like, for after talking about Travolta for fucking 70 episodes, it's just, it's wild to think of an actor who goes through a slump, who gets a second chance and learns the right lessons. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. thank fuck. Like, thank, like, Travolta would not have taken a supporting role in Killers of the Flower Moon. Probably. I mean, after, maybe he would. Maybe he would. After, after Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Like, no. Like, after Pulp Fiction, he was only taking yeah. leading man roles. Yeah. And it was... It, that. But that's the thing. It's like, Fraser here is not afraid of being like, yeah, I just won an Oscar. I'm going to be a supporting actor in a Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. And last night, I went to go see A Haunting in Venice, um, the new Kenneth Branagh Poirot movie. It's very good. Um, but I went to go see it in Dolby, and they played the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer twice before it. I don't know what was going on there, but they played it twice. Just so you knew. And the one shot of Brendan in that trailer, it's the newer trailer where you see him just like turn towards the camera and go, and he's like smiling at De Niro or something. He's just like, he's like a money monster or something. I'm like, yeah, he's back, baby. Every time I see it. I yeah. haven't seen the trailer yet. That's oh, so good. I'm so excited to talk about that movie. Yeah. Um, that's that's like my reward. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's no. like a reward. reward. <laughs> it's like a reward. Um, yeah, that's my that's my reward for that movie. Uh, and Are we uh, ready to? I think we can hear from Cole. Uh, hi, this is Cole Bradley from the Above the Title podcast, the best and the only podcast dedicated to discussing an actor's career filmography. <laughs> Can't think of another one. Um, <laughs> Jeff has asked me to uh, dial in and share my thoughts on The Whale, which is bizarre because, like, I, I feel like The Whale has been pretty well discussed at this point. I'm not really sure what there is you need me to say. Like, you don't need me to tell you The Whale is fucking atrocious. Everyone knows The Whale is atrocious. You watch The Whale and you walk away being like, that's one of the fucking worst movies I've ever seen in my life. You don't need to tell me that it's, like, so 
bad this, this that it has like this erased all the legitimately good to great movies that Darren Aronofsky has ever made. At all you don't this. need me to tell you that no one involved in the making of that movie has ever met a fat person in their life. You don't need me to tell you that Lee Batik seemingly went blind before shooting that thing because it looks rotten. Like, just drab, bland, grotesque just hideous you don't need me to tell you that the fucking moby dick mammoth metaphor is the most hackneyed overwritten bullshit garbage that i cannot believe anyone produced you don't need me to tell you that (laughs) fraser winning over literally any of the four men he was nominated for the oscar against is like an all-time embarrassment on the academy awards you don't need to tell me that sadie sink literally cannot act to save her life and i do not understand what the appeal of her is you don't need to tell me that this movie is so bad that somehow samantha morton fresh off like fucking grabbing she said and just spiking it in the end zone is somehow like really fucking like career worst in the whale you don't need to tell me that actually hong chow is quite good in the whale you don't need me to tell you any (laughs) of these things because everyone knows these things it is apparent to anyone with a brain the second they have seen the whale how fucking bad everything about the whale is except again hong chow quite good when she bad really when she bad did you see showing up? She's so fucking funny and showing up. Regardless, there is an aspect of the whale, though. For as much as this movie is terrible, and everyone knows it's terrible, and everyone just loves to talk about how terrible it is. And I'm sure you guys have just done 20 minutes of talking about how terrible it is, because why would you want to spend any more time talking about the whale? There's one aspect of the whale that has gone under-discussed, and that is what I'm here to talk to you about today. And that is that Ty Simpkins probably gives the single worst performance in a major American motion picture in a decade at least. I do not know what's going on with Ty Simpkins in this movie. Because, like, okay, obviously, like, he's like the kid was good, right? When he's a child actor, he's in fucking Iron Man 3. He's in fucking Insidious and Insidious 2, right? He's asleep the entire time in Insidious, guys. he shows up in the whale, and it's just the... If you took someone off the street and had them who did not speak English and had them recite lines phonetically as a first take... They would give a more charismatic and exciting performance. Can't even hold it. I was going to say he's Void <laughs> of interest that Ty Skimskins is just mumbling his way through in this movie. It is impressive to be the worst part of the whale. It is almost a stirring achievement because everyone is really racing to the bottom with this thing. But Ty Simpkins just complete swagless inert energy. You get the gold, my guy. It's the fucking worst performance of 2022. Holy shit. I kind of want to, like, acknowledge that he's saddled with the whole, like, Christian cult shit that's in that movie. That's the most annoying part of that movie. But again, Hong Chao carries the other half of that subplot. And Hong Chao is good in the whale i fucking hate the whale you know how mad i am this is the second time i had to record this because i just started like incoherently screaming the first time fuck this movie fuck darren aronofsky austin butler should have won like what the fuck Whoa. are we talking about <laughs> here? did you see elvis when it cuts to footage of the real elvis at the end of elvis you're like who's this chump give me back austin butler how do you not give that performance an oscar fuck darren aronofsky fuck this stupid ass movie 
it's it's bad for everyone that Brendan Fraser won the Oscar because now everyone has to remember this stupid movie and it can't just be forgotten to history like it should have. It is a black mark on everyone's careers and I hope none of them can sleep at night for having made it. Uh, listen to Above the Title wherever you find podcasts once the strike is over. Bye! I forgot that it's cool. We'll see. Are go- guess. <laughs> Good movies are bad movies. Bad movies are... <laughs> oh, sorry movies in this like we'll parallel see. dimension <laughs> Will Bradley I will say this and I want to go on the record it is um, October 23rd 2022 uh, we're about five months out I just want to go on the record here uh, everyone who thinks Brendan Fraser is winning an Oscar this year uh, probably needs to be in an assisted living home because they probably cannot take care of their own faculties Wow! it is not happening and the Oscar goes to Brendan Fraser. (laughs) That's how much I care about Cole Bradley's opinion. (laughs) What the fuck happened? Who was so excited? uh, I went to go see two movies with him last night. We had so much fun. Let me ask. He's in arm's reach of me now. He lives now in the same city. So it's like, I don't know Cole. I haven't listened to his podcast. He's a very broken man. The thing about Cole is that he's secretly a big sweetheart, but he mm-hmm. just loves to get angry about movies. That's that's fine. <laughs> My only rebuttal is, have you ever seen The Secret Life of Karma? <laughs> you can't sit here and tell me The Whale is the worst movie ever made if you haven't Look. seen <laughs> The Secret Look, Cole Life of just, Karma. Cole is the Trump of movies. Look, he likes saying oh, outlandish things to get let, a rise let out me, of people. Let me, let me just say, if they're, if you know, I'm, let's say I'm at home. And I have two movies on the TV in front of me, and I can't reach for, and it's the Secret of Karma or the Whale. Which yeah, you, which am I watching? Hairbrained. It's probably the, <laughs> it's probably the Secret of Karma because that's at least I can laugh at it. Well, have you watched it before? Um, you can't you can't laugh either at the way. Secret of Karma. If I haven't seen either of these movies, I probably watched the Whale. But if I've seen them both, I'm probably watching the Secret of Karma. If the Secret of Karma's hairbrained being... or the Whale? Oh, the Whale. Absolutely, mm. I would. Watch the whale wow. seven times in a row over Hairbrain. Wow, that bad. To me, the whale is a um, like five star, five out of ten. Hmm. It's hmm. like a two point five out of five star. Eight. Mm. I'm giving it an eight. An eight, four star. I. So here's the thing. Like, I've I've gone through an eating disorder. Yeah. Through some traumatic events Mm. okay i've been in an apartment by myself eating an entire bucket of fried chicken yeah i've have binge almost binged myself to death a few times this was when i was like around undergrad in college Mm -hmm. so seeing that on screen Mm -hmm. i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna attach myself to it Mm -hmm. and i will not fault anyone for having these opinions about the whale i i think it's totally fair everything that everybody's saying but I mean, I think Justin, you and I kind of said it the best. I, and I think the ratings kind of speak to it more. You either came into this movie with an extreme emotional attachment to it or yeah. you did it. And if you didn't, then you're going to pick up a lot of the things that don't quite land or feel the right things to you. Yeah. Or you're going to come in um, with these sort of already emotional baggage coming into it. And none of that's going to really matter to you. It's just... You know, the movie mm. speaks to you the way that it speaks to you. And I um, 
I won't make any apologies for it. Like I just, I like this movie. I'm glad I watched it again. I think I will watch it again even more after this. I think it might be a revisited movie that I'll kind of go back to. Um, but yeah, so I like I don't disagree with anybody's uh, dislikes or distaste of this movie. I just think it's uh, you know when you watch a movie that really speaks to you, um, that's kind of the end of the story with that. So I think if a movie speaks to you, um, like that's all that matters. Yeah. Whether it's this movie or, you know, I mean, there are some, there's like a very small contingent of movies that I'm like, even if that movie speaks to you, like you deserve um, prison. Um, that's like movies that are like objectively racist <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, I feel like if a movie speaks to you emotionally, that's like, that's incredible. That's, you know, I, I go back to that Roger Ebert quote about like empathy. Um, and that's why I, I, I get frustrated watching this movie. I don't like this movie. But I'm not going to be mad at other people who like and found something in this movie. Because if there's like, if you found emotion, if you found a connection in a piece of art, that is all that matters. If so, there are people out there who find emotional connection in the worst fucking Disney Plus streaming shows that are going out right now that are like a crime to cinema. And if there are people who watch those and find like a genuine emotional connection in them, who am I? to rain on their parade. Mm-hmm. I will I will fully I will not change my opinions. I will share my opinions. I will engage in debate if someone is interested in that. But if, you know, someone finds an emotional connection in a piece of art, I'm not going to tell them that's wrong. Yeah. It didn't work for me. I feel like I feel objectively like the thing has a lot of flaws, but subjectively if a thing works for you, what does it matter what other I think or what other people think? Mm-hmm. That's what's great about art. That's why movies are good. I watched this movie today and I was talking with Savannah who shared her opinions. Yeah. Um, and I said, it's movies like this that make made me want to do film mm-hmm. because to me, I went, I didn't, I didn't have in case you cut it out. I don't know what you're going to do. I didn't have an eating disorder, mm-hmm. but I had these self-destructive tendencies that Charlie did. Yeah. Your, your life shit, but you're doing things to make it worse. I had somebody in my life at the time consistently down, you know, b- b- attacking me, whatever. I saw whatever I could to make that story fit to where she's mm-hmm. a good person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So going into the, the first time I watched it, I had no idea what I was walking into. I was told Brendan Fraser's in it. It might be a little sad, you know, yeah. or whatever. Sure. And I watch it, and that's one of the few movies I've ever watched where I almost started crying, other than Marley and Me, but that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, so, you know, to me, it's I'm watching this person. Now, granted, I, and I even talked to Sam about this morning, I didn't go through the same thing. But to me, it's watching somebody, like, knowing that he shouldn't be eating the bucket of chicken back there and be like, can you, hey, Hey, and it's like, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in a role where it's like, I shouldn't be doing this thing because it's going to negatively affect me. But then I keep doing it because that's the comfort. That's the part where you feel you feel at home. Yeah. So I understand where people don't, again, back to the Sadie Sink part. I understand where people are like, well, how can you keep justifying a monster's actions? You can. I've done it. I did it for mm-hmm. five and a half years, you know? enough people tell you you're disgusting you know or that's the thing right because i have a whole bunch of issues continuing from that but where this isn't uh let's talk about justin's mental health before Mm -hmm. he turns into a (laughs) supervillain. that's that's for todd phillips (laughs) for the the todd phillips episode but 
you know so i totally i understand where people watch this and it's like it makes me uncomfortable i don't yeah. like it because but like when i watch this movie i'm not looking at well her acting's kind of bad uh, mm. the the cinematography shit brendan fraser winning an oscar is like the biggest downgrade in human history you know <laughs> like but because to me it's like when brendan's acting or even when he's screaming i want to make sure i do one thing right with my life that's connecting with me mm-hmm. you know and and i mean to go off of what yeah. you said before was like it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because I'm emotionally connected to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, you know, some people are like, well, this movie is just bad because, you know, fucking <laughs> Thomas yeah. is the worst, you know, Christian <laughs> in earth. But yeah, because I, I, you know, we, we've been building up to this episode quite a yeah. lot and we kind of been hinting that Jeff, you and I have like different opinions yeah. on this. My ultimate goal today and on this episode, just to kind of get a little bit like, serious about like you know with who we're talking to whoever's listening is you might be someone who watched this movie um have a personal attachment to it um whether that's through like how justin described like how i described or maybe through a very different avenue that you just found something in this movie that was like no doubt undoubtedly that was you you were you were there and that had your kind of your attention the entire time um, and you might have like a lot of friends who are shitting on the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and you might be in the room with them and you might be thinking like, well, God, like, are my opinions kind of like not really that valid or should I just like kind of hold my tongue on how my, what my true opinions are? And I'm just going to say like, when it comes to receptions like this movies where you have that, uh, as Jeff very, very nicely put it, like a very deep understanding of it because you apply yourself to it very strongly um yeah speak your truth you know don't be afraid to tell folks if they don't like the royal and if they ask you about it I'd be like i actually think it's the best movie i've ever seen in my entire life because to me i honestly think it, it it's in my like you know lifetime top five is where i kind of put the whale fascinating wow yeah genuinely um and that's not without seeing all the faults you can love a movie and know it's not perfect yeah. i think that's the biggest thing i want people to take away yeah. from this episode is you can love something even though it's not perfect yeah and you know it's not perfect so yes kind of a theme of the movie yeah well uh justin do you have any final thoughts you want to share no, i i honestly don't know how much more i could cover yeah i i feel like i have said Stuart. i think that was a excellent finale to this yeah i don't feel like i have much more to say mm-hmm. um Movies matter. Movies are important. And if you find something in a movie, never let anyone tell you that you're wrong, um, even if they do. Because I will, but don't take that seriously. <laughs> I will point at you. Yeah, I will, la- you I will laugh at you. No. Oh, I should also add, uh, that whole that whole like tangent wasn't so you can take that as evidence to tell your friends to shut up about the whale. People are going to talk shit. Yeah. You can't stop it. Yeah. You just got to learn how to kind of live with it yeah. and, you know, b- you know, just stand by your opinions and stances yeah. as they are that's all, all I, I meant by that all i want to say no. guys be yourself yeah yeah well i will thank the audience for listening to this gargantuan whale-sized episode of it was a big episode revolting presents the phrases i was covering the whale we hope you enjoyed it we hope you found something in this episode um hope you enjoyed some of our previous guests who are tuning in you can find all their previous episodes in the our log here um highly recommend listening to all they're all smart people with uh interesting things to talk about in movies Thanking Justin for coming back again to talk about the whale today. I'll be here as many times as you want me to be. We will have you back again. Um, one is already in the calendar. 
Um, but make sure to tune in next week for our episode on Batgirl. <laughs> um, to those of you who are at this moment saying, how do you have an episode on Batgirl? That movie didn't come out. Well, we got some stuff we got to talk about with you. Um, so make sure you tune in next week to listen to that. We'll be joined by Mark Tilly um, for some interesting information. Um, following that, we have our episode on the Killers of the Flower Moon. That'll be our final episode, Brendan, until he does the next one, um, followed by a retrospective. And then we might be doing someone else after that. But uh, you'll find that out down the line. Um, for now, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Please give us a like and subscribe on any of those platforms that you have. Um, it's appreciated. Um, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, at Trolting Pod. Travolting Podcast um, at gmail.com. We're Travolting on Reddit. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Anything you guys want to plug? Uh, follow me on Instagram or Twitch, 25soupman. That's such a great name. Um, I got nothing. Special about. thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music. That is, as always, killer. That is taking you out right now. Have a great week, folks. <laughs>